You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today's fic is Have Love, Will Travel by Squee Monster, chapters 11 to 13. The rating for this fic is explicit. Pertinent tags for this fic include Recluse Castiel, Exotic Dancer Dean, Past Trauma, Mental Health Issues, Lap Sex, Lap Dances, Fraudage, Face Fucking, Blowjobs, Anal Sex. Chapter 11. Hello, Pamela. Castiel, how are you, sugar? Were we supposed to Skype today? I don't have a meeting scheduled. No, we weren't. I just... I have something to tell you, and I'd rather do it over the phone than through an email. Okay, that sounds ominous. What's up? I won't be writing the stripper novel. What? Cass, it's a done deal. You're contracted to write it. Pam, it's Dean. He saw one of our IM conversations on my computer Saturday night. He was so upset. He wouldn't let me explain what the book really is. He, he was so furious. He felt betrayed, and rightly so. I should have told him about this from the beginning. Yeah, you should have. But he should have let you explain yourself, too. Have you tried calling him? No, I can't. He said he never wanted to talk to me again. I've ruined everything, Pam. The look on his face as he was leaving. He'll never be able to trust me again. Well, regardless, you don't need his permission to write the book, Cass. You aren't using enough details about him or his life that it would require consent. I'm aware of that, of course. But I wouldn't feel right about continuing with it now I know how much he's against the idea. But Cass, you haven't even given him a chance to have an informed opinion about it. Explain it to him before you write him and the book off completely. I'm sorry, Pam. I just can't. I'll continue on with the Angel series and send you the next chapter as soon as it's finished. Just give it a week, Cass. That's all I'm asking. I won't tell my boss for another week. Think about it, okay? Fine. One week. And I'll call you next Monday to let you know what I've decided. All right. Bye, Cass. Goodbye, Pam. 
Pamela hangs up the phone, lays her head down on her desk, closes her eyes, and proceeds to wish this morning away. It's not enough that Zachariah has enlisted her to be the editor for her least favorite client at the firm, a no-talent hack who wouldn't know a decent sentence if it tattooed itself across his forehead. But now her favorite author is having yet another meltdown. Problem is, Castiel isn't just her favorite client. He's also her friend, someone she's grown to care about very much over the past several years. Like she always does when they touch base, she recalls their first meeting, and the odd, alien-like enigma who sat opposite her, watching her with laser-blue eyes that seemed to see right into her soul. She almost didn't agree to publish him, given what a horrible interview he was. But his novel was so brilliant that she couldn't help but take it to her boss and implore that they snag him before some other firm did. From then on, their working relationship was a rocky road for quite a while, especially when Pam sent his first draft back to him with edits. Castiel didn't take too kindly to someone correcting or changing his words, but they eventually worked out an agreement that was acceptable to them both. And as those first months wore on, Pam began to realize that what she thought was arrogance and rudeness was actually a painful and debilitating fear of social situations, or really any kind of situations where he had to leave the safety of his home. It took Pam quite a while to drag the reason for it out of him, and she's still not quite sure she's got the full story, but she has enough to know that Castiel has lived a very lonely life. Until recently, that is. The change that she's seen in her friend over the past few months has been extraordinary. If she were completely honest, she never thought she'd see the day when Castiel would leave his home so willingly, or when he would invite someone into his life so openly. From what she's seen and heard, this dancer is the best thing to ever happen to Castiel. And if this really is the end of whatever was going on between them, Pam's not so sure he'll ever recover from it. She can't just stand by and watch her friend regress into what he was before. Watch Castiel be too afraid to ever try to be happy again. So that's why she lifts her head, opens her browser, and starts searching for flights to Wichita. Angels and Demons is about what Pam had expected for a highbrow strip club, though the whole equal opportunity vibe, with both male and female strippers, is a refreshing change. She takes a seat at a table close to the stage, and has to bite her lip to keep from laughing as a sad, scrawny, bearded man in what looks to be a toga approaches her. Welcome to Angels and Demons, he drones. I'm Chuck, and I'll be your prophet for this evening. What can I get you to drink? And yes, I know I should be able to foretell your drink order because I'm a prophet, but uh, my future-seeing abilities aren't what they used to be, okay? Pam stares up at him as he recites all of this in a monotone, and she realizes with a start that her other reason for being here was just thrown in her lap. 
You are the prophet, Chuck, she teases. Chuck doesn't do much to try to hide the rolling of his eyes, which only serves to amuse Pam even more. Yes, I am the prophet, Chuck. I'm one of the newer prophets, all right? He mutters, turning his head to stare into the crowd as if he's looking for a way out of his miserable existence. Laughing, Pam reaches up to grab Chuck's hand, pulling him into the seat next to her. Oh, honey, so you're Chuck Shirley, right? Chuck's face scrunches up in suspicion. How did you know my last name? Wait, are you a bill collector? Because that's not my last name, if you are, that is. Sugar, I'm not a bill collector. I'm here to make your life better, if you're willing. Pam winks at the waiter. Confused, Chuck stares at her for several seconds. Are you a hooker? Did Mistress Magda send you? Pam huffs and clears her throat. I'm going to pretend you didn't just ask if I was a hooker so we can move on, okay? My name is Pamela Barnes, and I'm an editor at Half-Light Publishing. Chuck's eyes go comically wide as his jaw drops. Oh my God, you're here about my book? Did you read my book? Pam smiles warmly. This is one of her favorite parts of the job. Yes, I did read your book, and so did my boss. We want to offer you a contract to publish it. Chuck looks around the room quickly. Is this a joke? Is Ed playing a joke on me? I'm going to kill that douchewad if... Chuck, look at me. Pam pauses until his eyes are focused on her. This is not a joke. We loved your book, and we want to make you an offer for it. And if it does well... We'll probably want to turn it into a series, if you're game. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Breathe, Chuck. Does this mean I can quit my job now? I've dreamed of the day I could quit this job. If I don't see another nutsack for the rest of my life, it'll be a day too soon. Pam laughs. Well, I wouldn't quit immediately. We've got to work out all the little details. But if all goes well, then soon, sugar pie. Chuck grasps her hand between his two sweaty palms. Oh, man, thank you so much, Miss Barnes. I just, you have no idea how long I've waited for this. Smiling, Pam squeezes his hand before pulling out of his grip, resisting the urge to wipe her palm on a napkin. I've got a pretty good idea, and you need to thank Castiel more than you need to thank me. If it wasn't for him, I probably never would have even read it. Chuck nods his head vigorously. I will. I'll thank him as soon as the next time I see him. Pam leans forward. Speaking of Castiel, could you arrange for me to have one of those private dances with the dancer he's so fond of? Uh, sure, I guess. It's Tyler Page. He's due up on stage next. Then he'll start his private dances about a half an hour or so after that. It's 150 bucks cash. Pam slides open her wallet counts bills, and hands over a wad of cash to Chuck. It's a good thing I have an expense account. Whoa, work pays for you to get a strip tease? Maybe I should get into the publishing business. Pam smirks. It definitely does have its perks.
After getting an eyeful of Tyler Page's stage performance, Pam maneuvers through the crowd and finds her way to the VIP hallway. She approaches a skinny guy with a mullet who's loitering outside the doors. She smiles up at the man. Hi, I'm Pam. I believe Chuck arranged for a dance with Tyler Page for me. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, right this way, the kid says through an oily grin. Chuck said to treat you like the very VIP of the VIPs, so you get first crack at Mr. Page tonight, along with a complimentary bottle of champagne, both literally and figuratively if you get my drift. Pam raises an eyebrow and chuckles. I just need a few minutes alone to talk with Tyler, honey. No figurative champagne shenanigans are needed, no matter how delicious Mr. Page is. Hey, whatever floats your boat, senorita. Come on in here and take a seat wherever you want, and Tyler will be in with you uno momento. He closes the door behind Pam, leaving her in the room alone as she waits for Tyler. Or Dean, rather. She walks around the room, eyeing the furniture critically. But she doesn't have to busy herself for too long, because after a couple of minutes, the door opens up and Dean strolls in. When their eyes meet, he smiles and winks. Hey there, he says, voice deep and husky. Hello yourself, sugar. Pam replies, making her own voice extra throaty. Dean's eyebrows shoot up to his hairline as he smirks and steps away towards a set of speakers on the opposite wall. You got any preferences for music or anything else tonight? He says, his back to Pam as he busies himself. Actually, honey, I was kind of in the mood to talk tonight. Uh, okay, Dean says slowly as he turns around. What do you have in mind to talk about? Pam stares at him waiting a few seconds before replying. Castiel. She watches closely as a bevy of emotions cross the man's face. Shock, hope, sadness, and anger are the few she thinks she can interpret. Who are you? He demands, body tense. Pam takes a seat before answering. My name is Pamela Barnes. I'm Castiel's editor. And his friend she adds as she watches Dean roll his eyes. So what? He snaps. You here to try to get me to sign over the rights to my life? So Cass can go and tell everyone about me. Make everyone laugh or feel sorry for the poor stupid orphan who has to strip to feel love or some shit like that? Pam narrows her eyes but doesn't respond. Well, fuck that shit. I'm not signing any rights over to that asshole. He fucking lied to me and pretended to be... His voice cracks, and he turns his back on Pam before continuing. Pretended to be my friend, when all the time he was just getting information for his book. He lied to me, and to my brother, and what he was writing. It's going to hurt me and Sam more than anyone ever has, and that's saying a fucking lot, given the shit we've been through. He turns around to face Pam again, eyes narrow and cold. So... You can take that sweet ass of yours back to wherever you came from, because I'm not signing over nothing. Pam crosses her arms across her chest and doesn't back down from Dean's hard stare. Are you finished? A look of confusion crosses Dean's face for a split second before he stares down at her and nods. 
Yeah, so? She rolls her eyes. Because I have got a world of information for you, big boy. She looks Dean up and down. Take a seat, honey. This may take a while, and I have a feeling you're going to need to be sitting to take all this in. She pauses to give Dean another once-over. I'll give Cass this. He's got good taste, because you are positively scrumptious. Though I wonder how much you've got going on upstairs. Hey, Dean protests as he pulls a folded chair over from the wall. If you want me to listen to what you have to say, maybe you should chill on the insults, lady. Sighing, Pam pulls a leg up under her as she settles in her seat. Sweet cheeks, I am not here to coddle you. I'm here to tell you what you wouldn't give Cass a chance to say. Not that he tried hard to say it, since he's so stubborn he refused to call you. He said he wanted to abide by your wishes, but I think it's because he's a chicken shit. Dean snorts. How considerate of him, since he's the one planning to blare all my secrets out to the world. Now you shush, Pam chides him. First off, he's not planning to blare all your secrets out to the world. Dean stares at her with disbelieving eyes. Oh, really? Then how do you explain what I saw in his little computer chat with you? Pam scoffs. What you saw was Cass confiding in me about this new relationship he has, or had, with you. I don't know if you know this, but Cass doesn't have many friends he could confide in. In fact, I'm it. Me and his brother, who only shows up when he feels like it anyways. A muscle twitches in Dean's cheek. But I saw you asking him how much of my life he was going to write about. Pam leans forward. Yes, and if you'd gone further in that I am chat, you'd have seen where Cass was reiterating to me, once again, that he had no plans to include anything about you in it. She stops a moment to lean back, staring down at her hand. Okay, yes, this book will be very loosely based on things that have happened to you, but he plans to change so much of it that I guarantee you, if you'd just happened upon this book and read it without any knowledge of how it came about, you would never have known that any of it was inspired by you. Dean squints at her, biting his lip and remaining silent. Since he's not saying anything, she goes on. His plan was to show it to you once he'd finished writing it. He wanted to get your approval before having it published. Dean continues to stare at her silently as a look of uncertainty flits across his face. In fact, Pamela says, that was one of the two stipulations in his contract, that if you didn't give approval, the book would never see the light of day. So what, if I said no, it never would have been published, just like that? The look on Dean's face is one of suspicion, and Pam can't blame him. She was pretty shocked by Castiel's demand when he first informed her of it, too. For him to have worked so hard on it, and to be willing to throw it all away on the whim of one person is a hard pill to swallow, especially for her boss. Just like that, she states. She watches as Dean stares at the floor, trying to digest all of this information. And sugar, just between us, I have to say, after having read the first couple of chapters, that man really cares for you. It's obvious in the respect he's showing this story and the characters. Dean huffs. And by characters you mean me, right? 
Honey, don't you roll your eyes at that. Do you have any idea how lucky you are to have him in your corner? To have him seeing you for who you are and understanding you like I'm guessing no one else has ever bothered to? Don't be a fool, Dean. She chides. She feels bad when Dean flinches at her words, but they needed to be said. Dean scrubs a hand across his face and takes a deep breath. Wait, you said that was one of two stipulations. What's the second one? Pam stares at him for several seconds, considering whether or not she should tell him. Finally, she makes a decision, sighing as she replies. He's going to kill me for telling you, but you need to know. I know he worried about you feeling obliged to be a certain way with him, or obliged to give your consent if you knew this, but it needs to be said. She stills for a moment, making sure Dean is giving her his undivided attention before carrying on. The second stipulation in his contract is that all proceeds from the book would go into a trust fund for Sam Winchester. A flood of emotions wore across Dean's face, and even though Pam can see he's trying desperately to hide them, what he's feeling is as plain as day. He opens and closes his mouth several times, trying to speak, but his bottom lip quivers as no words make their way out. His gaze stays focused on the floor, his eyes becoming glassy as tears well up, threatening to spill over. Finally, he manages to find his voice, a whisper so low that Pam has to lean forward to catch his words. Why would he do that? His eyes dart up quickly to meet Pam's as he speaks, but look away again, almost as if he's afraid that if he makes eye contact, he'll lose all semblance of control. Oh, honey, Pam murmurs. Isn't it obvious why he would do that? Dean folds in on himself, placing his elbows on his knees and hiding his face in his hands. Pam looks away when she sees his shoulders begin to shake, wants to give him some feeling of privacy while he processes this. It's not every day when you find out the guy you just told to fuck off is so crazy in love with you that he wants to help put your little brother through school. She turns back to stare at Dean as he raises his head and wipes away an errant tear. I can't let him do this. He mumbles, clearing his throat. He can't. It's not right. Sammy's my responsibility. I. Yes, he's your responsibility, and Cass wants to help ease your burden a bit. He's not a burden. He's my brother. Exasperated, Pam sighs. Yes, Dean, I know. And Cass wants to help you both out. He wants to give Sam a chance at a good life. And he wants to help you start yours by relieving some of the financial burden. She grasps Dean's hand and holds it between her own. Cass told me quite a bit about the life you've led. I didn't give him much choice, so don't get your feathers in a bunch. I thought he was fucking insane to do this for someone he'd just met. She stares into his eyes as she continues. He wants to do this because he feels you and Sam were both dealt a very shitty hand in life, and because you've helped him in ways you'll never be able to comprehend, and he feels he needs to repay you for that. Dean shakes his head. I haven't done shit for Cass. 
All it did was dance when he paid me for it and listen to him talk sometimes and... And you gave him a reason to want to leave his house. You showed him that there's a whole world out there and that he doesn't need to live in fear of it. You showed him that sometimes if you take a chance and take that leap, you don't fall flat on your ass. You made him want to be a part of the world and to live. She smiles, and God damn it if she can't feel her own eyes stinging. Sugar, you may think what you did isn't much, but don't underestimate yourself. If Cass thinks you're worthy, then trust me, you're worthy. Dean looks down at their joined hands, pulling away as he stands up. I just, I can't accept this. It's too much. I don't know if I'll ever be able to repay him. I'd always feel like I owed him. Pam nods. Yeah, that's something you'll have to get over. I imagine it won't be easy for a macho tough guy like you. She smirks when Dean narrows his eyes at her. But if you want to be a part of Cass's life, then you're going to need to learn to get past this, she goes on. Any profits from that book belong to you and your brother, since the book wouldn't have even existed without you. As far as he's concerned, nothing will be owed. She stands up and grabs her purse, making her way towards the door. And now that I have passed on that information to you, I will be taking my leave. She stops in front of Dean and smiles lasciviously at him. Unless, of course, you still got time to do that dance for me. Dean's eyes go wide as he shifts on his feet. Uh, yeah, I guess if you want I can. Dean, I was teasing you. I wouldn't dream of having Cass's man do a sexy dance for me. She watches as Dean blushes at the implication that he's Castiel's man, and she steps forward to give him a hug. Don't fight going to Cass, Dean. I think you both deserve a little happiness in your lives. Smiling slightly, Dean nods his head. Thanks for coming by, Pam. I'll... I need to think on it. Just don't think too long, she replies as she's walking out the door. The longer you wait the more miserable Cass gets. Castiel is miserable. The moment Dean stormed out of his apartment is something he will never forget. The shock and actual physical pain from it left him motionless, too stunned to lift an arm, let alone go about his evening. How could he pretend that the most important person in his life didn't just walk out his door, never to return? Now he feels as if a piece of himself has been carved out of his chest, leaving a gaping, fathomless hole that can never be filled again. Even so... He resists picking up the phone and calling Dean. No matter how much he wants to explain away what Dean saw, Castiel knows the biggest mistake he made was withholding the truth from Dean, and that can't be explained away. Dean had trusted him with his secrets, with his fears, with his insecurities, and most of all, with his brother. Castiel's intention had never been to hurt Dean. His motives were pure, 
He wanted to do what he could to help his friend, to relieve him of a small part of this burden and overwhelming responsibility that he has carried on his shoulders for the majority of his life. No one should ever have to go through what Dean has been through. And for him to pull through all of it, to retain such a brilliant, warm, and caring heart, truly astonishes Castiel when he considers it. How anyone could make it through all of that and not be a broken, embittered, and caustic soul amazes him. But then again, everything Dean has done since the moment he first saw him has amazed him. Not least of which is trusting Castiel, especially as Castiel grew to learn just how difficult it is for Dean to trust anyone. He still doesn't quite understand why Dean chose to open up to him, to show him a part of himself that he never shares with anyone. Almost from the moment they met, Castiel has felt a connection with Dean, something so powerful and undeniable that it has left him confused and breathless at times. He was beginning to wonder if Dean felt that connection as well, but now he supposes he may never know. He feels like such a fool. In hindsight, he knows he should have approached Dean about the book before he ever wrote the first word. Part of him wanted to keep it as a surprise, hoping that Dean would be flattered and happy to know that he was the inspiration. But deep down, he thinks the real reason he kept it a secret was because he knew Dean wouldn't approve, wouldn't understand that he was doing this to try to help him. At this point, he fears his motives are beside the point. All that matters is Dean feels betrayed and used and hurt, and Castiel is the reason for it. The last thing that Castiel could ever want to happen is what has actually come to pass, and he feels helpless and despondent. Castiel manages through the next several days by trying to keep his daily schedule as best as possible. He immerses himself in his angel series, writing with a zeal he hasn't felt in quite a while for the angels. And of course, there's Zeppi to take care of, and she has proven herself invaluable for providing comfort. Castiel will never doubt again a dog's ability to sense a human's emotions, because she has been especially sweet and loving towards him since his fight with Dean. He's so grateful for her, and it reminds him yet again of how much joy Dean has brought him over these past three months. He reaches down to where Zeppi is curled up at his feet, running his fingers through her fur. As he does so, the phone rings, and as he reaches to answer it, he notices on the caller ID that it's Gabriel calling. Hello, Gabriel. Hey, Cass. I'm about ten minutes away. Just wanted to give you a heads up. I'm coming over. What? Wait, why? What? Can't a guy pay his little bro a surprise visit from time to time? Yes, a guy can. But you're not just any guy. Oh, I'm touched, Cass. I'll see you in a few. Gabriel hangs up before Castiel can protest. And with a sigh, he sets the phone back into the handset. He'd rather not deal with Gabriel today, but he figures he doesn't have much choice at this point. When the doorbell rings several minutes later, he opens it to find Gabriel holding a large, greasy bag of food in one hand and a six-pack of beer in the other. 
Beer and burgers, Cass. Don't ever say I don't love you. Castiel rolls his eyes and unsuccessfully tries to suppress a smile. To what do I owe this late dinner? It's almost ten o'clock, Gabriel. You're lucky I forgot to eat. Gabriel strolls into the apartment and throws the bag and beer down on the dining room table. Oh, a little bird told me you might need some cheering up. Castiel furrows his brow, wondering what Gabriel could possibly mean. But before he can ask, there's another knock on the door. Oh, that little birdie also told me she might be stopping by here too. And I kind of want to see what that little birdie's tail feathers looked like. As Castiel steps to the door, he spies Gabriel pulling a tequila bottle out of his coat pocket. I heard that little birdie likes a mean shot of tequila, too, Gabriel says. At this point, Castiel isn't at all surprised to find Pam when he opens the door. Pamela, this is so unexpected, he says, with a weary sarcasm that has her snort as she saunters her way into the apartment. And how are you? I'm fine, Cass, she snips back, and I'm sorry for landing on you unannounced, but your brother assured me he let you know that I was coming. She pauses as she spots Gabriel standing at the kitchen counter, pouring tequila into three shot glasses. And you must be the infamous Gabriel, she smirks. It's not that I must be, it's that I choose to be, because I am just that awesome, Gabriel retorts. And you are the absolutely delectable Pamela Barnes. I must say, Cass really did not do your beauty and grace justice. He said you had a tight ass and sweet knockers, but I had no idea. Gabriel, I never said anything like. Yeah, yeah, he said you were lovely and everything charming and demure and all that jazz. But really, he should have been writing sonnets dedicated to your sweet, milky... Oh, honey, you better get a few shots in me before you expect me to fall for that kind of spiel, okay? Pamela crows, shrugging off her jacket. Gabriel's eyes go wide as his smile deepens. I think that can be arranged, lovely Pamela. Castiel really doesn't have the patience for this tonight, especially given how tired he suddenly feels. Not to interrupt whatever mating ritual this seems to be, but why are you both here? He gripes. Oh, Cass, I'm sorry, honey, Pam says. I called Gabriel Monday and told him that his brother needs some cheering up, and I was due for some vacation time, so I decided to fly down and check in on you, too. She walks over to Castiel and gives him a hug, which Castiel does his best to accept, albeit awkwardly. I was worried about you, sweetie she tells him as she slaps his butt lightly. Castiel pats her on the back before releasing her. As I told you, Pam, I'm fine. Or I will be, eventually. Gabriel stands across the room, watching them. What the hell happened, Cass? That hot-ass stripper break your heart again? Castiel winces, though he's not really sure what he takes more offense to, the hot-ass stripper remark or the knowledge that he was the one doing the heartbreaking this time. Well, he discovered something that I should have informed him of beforehand, and he feels he can't trust me now. So we, uh, I suppose we're not seeing each other anymore. Pamela watches his face as he speaks. Oh, sweetie, I still think you should call him. Try to straighten things out. Tell him the truth. 
I really think once he hears the truth, he'll forgive you. Castiel shakes his head. No, I don't want to go against his wishes. You didn't see him, Pam. He was so furious with me. The look on his face when he left. I don't think he'll ever forgive me. Okay, bro, Gabriel chips in. This conversation is severely lacking in tequila and burgers. So both of you get your asses over here pronto. Castiel huffs in amusement. I'll pass on the tequila and just have a beer and a burger instead. I'm still recovering from the last time you got me too drunk. Yeah, yeah, that may have been a bad night, but it was also one of the better nights of your life too, right? That was the first time you'd left your apartment in months, and the first time you met Chiselchest. Not a bad evening in my book, if you know what I mean. Castiel chooses to ignore Gabriel so he can bite into his cheeseburger. He practically groans as the juices begin to escape down his chin, and he opens his eyes to find both Gabriel and Pam staring at him. You really like that cheeseburger, Pam muses. One thing you can always count on with gas. The man loves him some meat, Gabriel quips. Pam snorts at the remark. Castiel wipes his mouth before taking a swig of beer. Avoiding their eyes, he says, I haven't really had much of an appetite since Saturday, so this is, this is nice. They both smile at him across the table. Not just the food. The company is nice, too. Thank you both for coming, he continues. Gabriel and Pam look at each other and lift their shot glasses, clinking them together. Mazel tov, Pam says before they both down their shots in one gulp. After an hour of watching Gabriel and Pam flirt with each other under the guise of consoling and distracting Castiel, he calls them both a cab. He does truly appreciate them both caring enough to actually fly into town to check up on him, but there's only so much company he can take in one night, even in his new and improved state. As he walks them both to the door, Gabriel gives him a sloppy kiss on the cheek and a hug, leaving Pam to say her goodbyes. She places a hand on Castiel's arm, leaning in to whisper, Cass, just promise me you'll think about calling him, and promise me that you'll keep your mind open whatever he has to say whenever you do speak to him, okay? Castiel is perplexed by her words, but doesn't hesitate to agree with her. He wraps his arms around her, much more easily than before, and murmurs into her hair, Yes, Pamela, I promise. She steps on her toes to give him a kiss on the cheek and whispers in his ear, You don't mind if I take your brother back to my room and rock his world, do you? What? Oh, God, Pam, no, I just... I don't want to hear the details, all right? He mutters as she begins chuckling. Hear about what details? Gabriel asks. Just, just get out of here and don't forget to eat your Wheaties and Godspeed, Castiel says. Pamela grins like the Cheshire cat as she grabs Gabriel's arm and begins pulling him down the hallway. Castiel smiles slightly as he watches them leave, but as he closes the door, he remembers the night Dean stormed out of here. Clutching his stomach, he runs to the bathroom to vomit the late dinner and beer. He takes comfort in Zeppi lying close by on the bathroom tile, whimpering in sympathy with each wretch of his stomach. I said, oh my God, I see you walking by. Take my 
Chapter 12 Dean Winchester is the biggest chicken shit that ever lived. That's what he keeps telling himself as he tries and fails to work up the nerve to call Castiel after his editor's visit to the club Wednesday night. He wants to call him, go to him with his tail tucked between his legs, and beg Castiel to forgive him for being such a hothead and not giving him a chance to explain himself. But every time he picks up the phone or reaches for his car keys, he hesitates, starts thinking too hard and too much, and ends up losing his nerve. He tries fooling himself into thinking it's because he doesn't like to admit when he's wrong, doesn't like to be the one who has to apologize. But deep down, he knows that's not the real reason he's so scared. No, the real reason he can't find the gumption is because this is something really important to him. In fact, it might just be the most important thing he's ever done, besides doing his best to take care of Sammy. This isn't some quick fuck. He can't even fool himself into believing it'll just be a casual relationship, one that will play itself out over a few weeks or months. He knows starting this with Cass will be starting something big, something that will change his life forever. And that is some scary shit for Dean to be contemplating, given that he has a hard time planning his next week, let alone the rest of his life. But he can't kid himself anymore about this. He knew almost from the first moment he met Castiel's eyes that this man would play an important role in his life. He kidded himself into thinking he just had the hots for him. But deep down, he knew that Cass belonged here, with him and next to him, in a way that only family can, whether by blood or by choice. Dean can't help but feel that he's going to ruin this, though. He will fuck this up and hurt Cass, just as he fucks up everything in his life. He will find a way to push Cass away, or break his heart, or show him what a fuck-up he really is. So much of a loser that Cass will leave him and go off to find someone who doesn't get grease under his nails and grass stains on his knees by day and take his clothes off and dance like a monkey for money by night. It's only a matter of time before Dean ruins everything and loses everything once again. Everything he touches gets broken, somehow, some way, except for Sammy. Dean hasn't a clue how he's been able to hang on to his brother all these years. God and the state child care system know Dean doesn't deserve him. Sometimes he wakes in the middle of the night, drenched in sweat and crying out from night terrors, and they're always the same. Losing Sammy. In the fire. In the car wreck. In a crowded store. On a busy street. Having him dragged away by faceless government drones in business suits, claiming he needs to be apart from Dean for his own good. All the nightmares end the same, with Dean on his knees, doubled over, feeling as if his organs are being ripped from his body, gasping from the grief of losing Sam, of letting him down once again. If something ever happened to Sam, Dean doesn't know how he'd cope. He's fairly certain he wouldn't cope. Everything he does everything he is, is for Sammy. But now there's Cass. And for the first time, Dean has something 
or the potential of something, in his life that doesn't revolve around his brother. Something solely for Dean. And the thought of letting someone else in his life like this is terrifying. Dean's never been the type to love lightly, to let people pass in and out of his life and his heart with abandon. He doesn't let people in. And he uses this as an excuse to not call Castiel Thursday or Friday. He needs to be sure he's ready for this before he goes to the man, because he knows once he sees Cass, he won't have a choice. He needs to be sure he's ready to open himself up so completely and give himself over to his friend. He chooses to ignore the tiny voice in the back of his mind, telling him that he and Cass already belong to each other from the moment they first met. Saturday morning, Dean spends his time working for the lawn care service as he usually does, before rushing home to shower. He picks Sam up at their agreed time and drives them to lunch at Big Pepe's. Dean greets him with his usual insults, teasing Sam about his hair and the giant zit on his chin. He does his best to act as if nothing is wrong, but he knows it's impossible to hide his mood from his brother for long. As they sit in the booth across from each other at the restaurant, he can feel Sam's eyes boring into the top of his head while he stares at the menu. He attempts to head Sam off at the worrywart pass. Should I be daring and try that spaghetti enchilada? And if so, should I take some Pepto first? Is something wrong, Dean? Sam asks, voice heavy with concern. Dean sighs. He contemplates brushing this off and not telling Sam what went down with Cass. But when it gets down to it, there's no one whose advice he trusts or respects more, especially with this mushy feeling shit. You know, your bad mood radar is really fucking creepy sometimes. Sam shrugs. You've been hugging me and won't stop rubbing my shoulders and pinching me and acting like a mom. You always get all touchy-feely when you're sad or upset. Dean places his elbows on the table and scrubs at his face before hiding it in his hands. Cass and I had a fight. He mutters through his fingers. Well, I guess it was more than a fight, seeing as I told him to fuck off and said I never wanted to see him again. He sits there with his eyes closed and face hidden for he doesn't even know how long waiting for Sam to say something. He listens to the bustle of the restaurant around him, idly wondering how such a shithole can be this busy on a Saturday afternoon. He opens his eyes and turns his head, looking at the other customers. How many of these other people are here trying to keep their broken family together by taking them on a state-mandated visit to a shitty restaurant with shitty service and sticky menus, he thinks. Probably a depressing number. What happened? Sam asks him finally. Dean musters up the courage to look at him, dreading the look of disappointment he expects to find. Nobody knows how much of a screw-up Dean is more than Sam, 
and Dean knows he deserves all the bitch faces his brother can make. Especially seeing as how this means Sam might never get to see the dog anymore. But the look on Sam's face is one of concern and compassion, not frustration or anger. And seeing that has Dean feeling both relieved and guilty. I don't deserve that, Sammy. He leans back in the booth as he clears his throat. I, uh, when I went back to his place last Saturday, I ended up on his computer for a minute and uh, I accidentally saw a chat thingy he was having with his book editor. It looked like he was talking about writing a book about me, about my life, with the stripping and us being orphans, and I just lost it, Sammy. He says, voice hoarse, I couldn't fucking see straight. I was so pissed. So I cussed him out, told him to go fuck himself, and I left. He looks up from his fingers playing with a napkin to see the reaction on Sam's face. His brother is staring at him in confusion and disbelief. He's writing a book about you? About us? Without your permission? Dean smiles bitterly and shakes his head. That's how it read, to me at least. Cass tried saying something to me, but I wouldn't even let him get a word out. He turns his head to look out the window, staring at the dumpster in the parking lot and remembering the day they found Zeppi, as well as that night when he'd first gone to Castiel's apartment. They'd acted like fucking teenagers, all shy smiles and sneaky glances. Damn, I miss that guy, he thinks. How could he do something like that? Sam marvels. He seems so nice. Weird, but nice. Dean sits up straighter. Well, turns out I got it wrong. Or I should have let Cass explain himself. His editor came to visit me a few days ago, and she explained it. He is writing a book, and she said it's inspired by me, but uh, it's not really about me. Said if I'd read it without knowing anything beforehand, that you'd never be able to tell it was inspired by me, I guess. And that he was planning on showing it to me once he was done writing it, and if I didn't give the okay on it, that it'd never get published. He wants to tell Sam about the other thing, about how all the proceeds from it were to go to him, for school, but he can't bring himself to say it. He doesn't want Sam to feel obligated, and he knows it'll make his brother feel guilty for being what he'd consider a burden, and he'd beat the shit out of Sam before he'd ever let him think that. Being Sam's big brother, and everything that means, has been the best thing in his life, and he will never allow Sam to think otherwise. Um, wow, Sam replies, whistling under his breath. So then Cass isn't a giant bag of dicks after all, huh? Dean snorts. I'm glad to see those poetry lessons are getting put to good use. But yeah, I kind of fucked it all up. He sighs as he lays his chin on his hand and leans on the table. Surprise, surprise, right? Leave it to me to turn everything to shit faster than a coked-out racehorse. When he's met with silence, he glances up to find Sam staring at him, a look of concentration on his face. What? Dean asks, defensive. Sam shakes his head, opening and closing his mouth several times before speaking. 
Dean, I've never been able to understand why you have such a low opinion of yourself. Dean rolls his eyes and shifts uncomfortably in his seat. Oh, great. It's going to be one of those talks, is it? Hold on a sec. Let me take my mite all first, Samantha. Scoffing, Sam leans forward. I'm serious, Dean. What happened to make you think you're unworthy of being happy? What happened that makes you think you're such a fuck-up? Damn it, Sam, really? Dean parries. We're really going to get into this now. He pauses to wait for an answer, hoping that Sam will just roll his eyes and say, never mind, what do you think the Royals are going to do this season? But he doesn't. His little brother just sits there, staring across the table at him, lips pressed firmly together, jaw clenched in determination. Dean expels a breath of air. Okay. He holds up a finger. One, I couldn't get Dad straightened out. I couldn't convince him not to drink every day, and I couldn't get him to start taking care of us. He holds up a second finger. Two, I was such a spoiled fucking brat that I whined and bitched at him to get him to crawl behind the wheel with us in the car, drunk off his ass, just to take me to get a fucking cheeseburger. And it ended up killing him and almost killing us. He stares at his brother before whispering hoarsely, was my fault, Sammy. Dad is dead because of me. He can feel the tears start welling up in his eyes, so he glances out the window next to him as he continues, raising a third finger. Three. I was such a fuck-up in the system that nobody wanted to have anything to do with me. It's why we couldn't get adopted. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with this older, smart-ass, stupid brat. He holds up a fourth finger. Four. I couldn't even get custody of you when I turned 18 because I was stupid enough to get myself arrested. I've been such a shit brother to you, Sammy. I've ruined everything. Dean wants to say more. Needs to list his job getting dirty as a shitty mechanic. His job dancing and selling himself to anybody willing to pay all his other stupid minimum-wage jobs that he struggles to keep every day. But his voice cracks, and he knows he's just one step away from losing his shit right there in this sad little restaurant. Suddenly, he feels like he can't breathe, feels as though the walls are closing in on him, so he gets up and strides towards the exit. Sam calls after him, but Dean ignores his brother, needing desperately to breathe in fresh air to get away from this conversation. He pushes open the glass door and stumbles out into the parking lot, blinking at the bright sunshine and taking deep gulps of fresh air. He reaches for his car keys, but realizes he must have left them on the table inside. Just as he starts cursing himself, he hears the door open behind him, shoes scuffing along the asphalt as Sam approaches him. Dean doesn't turn around to look at Sam, just bends down to sit on the curb, swiping away the tears streaking along his cheeks. He closes his eyes, trying to regulate his breathing as he hears Sam sigh behind him. After several beats, he can feel Sam sit down next to him, their shoulders brushing lightly against each other. Dean soaks in the comfort of having his brother next to him, taking strength from the kid's presence. 
They sit in silence for several minutes, the only sound around them coming from the birds in the trees across the parking lot and the noises from the cars on the street. Finally, Sam clears his throat to speak. You know, in all the years of foster care, hell, in all the years ever since Mom died, I have people looking at me like I'm some kind of victim, like they feel sorry for me. You know, the, oh, look at the poor, pitiful, lonely orphan. Everybody should be glad they don't have as sad of a life as he does. You know that look, right? Dean snorts. Yeah, if I never see another look like that, it'll be a moment too soon. Chuckling, Sam continues. But I never really understood why people felt so sorry for me. I mean, yeah, it's sad Mom died. And then it was really sad when Dad died. And yeah, it kind of sucks getting stuck with foster families, where the houses smell weird and they cook crappy food and the beds are lumpy and it takes forever to get used to different people's routines. Dean sniffs, wrapping his arms around his knees and laying the side of his head on his knees so he can look up at his brother. Sam looks down at him, a smile on his lips. But even through all of that, I never felt like I was homeless or like I didn't have a family. And that was because of you. Because you were my family. And wherever you were, that's where my home was. You never let me forget that. And I never once, not ever, felt like I was unloved or unwanted, Dean. That's a shitload more than a lot of kids with normal families can say. Dean turns his head to hide his face against his knees not wanting Sam to see the effects his words are having on him. The little shit always knew how to make him cry like a fucking baby. Dean, you always made me feel like the most important person in the world. And I hope you know you're the most important person in my world, too, Sam goes on. But, dude, we can't be the only people in each other's worlds forever. And we can't place our potential happiness solely on each other's shoulders. Sam pauses, and Dean can hear him throwing rocks across the concrete. He wants to tell Sam to shut up, that words aren't necessary, and go back into the restaurant, wants to pretend everything's okay and nothing's been said, but it's too late. The words are out there, and Dean can't pretend he's not falling apart anymore. All those things, they didn't happen because of you, Dean, Sam says softly. It wasn't your responsibility to make Dad care for us. He should have wanted to do that on his own. And it wasn't your fault he got behind the wheel when he was drunk off his ass and got himself killed. You were just a kid, Dean. He was the adult, not you. It wasn't your fault. It... Sammy, I'm so sorry. I'm so... Dean cuts himself off to lean up wrap his arms around his brother and hold on as the sobs rack his body. Sam pulls him in close, fisting his hands into the fabric of Dean's shirt along his back and rocks them back and forth. Dean, this is what I'm saying. He mumbles, face pressed against Dean's shoulder. You have nothing to be sorry for. You're the reason I've turned out as good as I have. You're the reason I'm as happy and as goofy as I am. You've done everything for me, Dean. You're not a fuck-up. Dean continues to cry on Sam's shoulder, 
taking deep breaths to try and regain control of himself. He'd feel bad about all the snot on his brother's shirt, but the kid kind of deserves it, saying all the shit to him that he knows will make Dean blubber like a baby. And you know, I don't think I've ever known anybody who deserves happiness more than you, Sam says. For somebody who's got a heart as big as yours, you sure do keep it closed off all the time. Sam pulls back to look Dean in the face. Why does it scare you so much? Dean huffs, wiping his nose along the sleeve of his upper arm. Geez, Sammy, did you take Psych 101 and not tell me? Stop evading the question, Sam retorts. Rolling his eyes, Dean pulls away. Damn it, Sam, I don't know. He takes a deep breath and stares at the trees across the lot. I guess, I just, what if I don't know how to be happy? Or what if I'm no good at it? He pulls the hem of his shirt up to wipe away the tears and snot on his face. And what if I hurt him? I don't think I'd ever forgive myself if I hurt him, Sammy. That'd be like, like hurting. He stops himself as the realization of what he was about to say dawns on him. He looks up to find Sam watching him closely. Me? Is that what you were going to say? It'd be like hurting me? Dean stares down at the wet spot on his shirt where he'd been wiping his face. Yeah, I guess so. Sam sighs, turning to stare out at the parking lot. Dude, if you feel that strongly about him, how would you feel if you never saw him again? Dean barely hesitates before answering. Like a part of me was missing. Sam huffs. Well, I think that's your answer, whether you were looking for one or not. They remain quiet for several long minutes, contemplating what's been said. Dean doesn't think he's ever felt this raw and open before, not even when his mom or his dad died. As much as he hates talks like this and fought this one, he knows it needed to happen and that he'll be feeling better about it soon. He'd be feeling even better if they went back inside and actually ate lunch, and Sam's stomach chooses to rumble like a fucking freight train at exactly that moment. Dean laughs, wiping the rest of his tears away, standing up and pulling Sam along with him. Come on, Shaggy. Let's grab us some spaghetti enchiladas. Dude, I never said I was going to eat one with you. That sounds disgusting. Better than your bean crap that you love so much. Dean chuckles as they head back inside. Hey, you want to go to that amusement park down the road after? We could shoot some shit at that target range and win Jess a stuffed bunny to prove your love for her. Sam puts a hand on his shoulder, squeezing before pushing him forward and sighing. If you need to shoot fake bullets at fake ducks to prove your manhood, don't let me stand in your way, asswipe. Careful, Sammy. I stole Jess's number out of your phone when you went to the bathroom earlier. Don't give me a reason to call her, dude. You're such a dick. Aw, there's my favorite bitch face of them all. I missed that one. I hope you choke on your spaghetti enchilada. I love you too, Sammy.
Castiel spends the next few days after Pam and Gabriel's visit, the same way he spent the few days before. He tries to keep busy with his regular routine, writes, spends hours teaching Zeppi to walk on her hind legs, and constructs an elaborate obstacle course for her in his hall. There are a few moments when he considers calling Dean, wondering if the man would give him the chance to explain himself. He even goes so far as to pick up the phone on a few occasions, but he can't bring himself to take the final step and tap out Dean's number. Just a few short months ago, he had been, if not happy, at least content with where he was in life. There was an order to the way he lived, and it made sense to him. There had been times when he had become wistful, when he wished he had the courage to step outside his door and participate in the world around him. But the safety of his home, and that of which was known and familiar, was far more necessary to him than anything out of his grasp was. But the moment Castiel first laid eyes on Dean, he was forever changed. He is no longer satisfied to remain home, living the life he has led for years. Dean makes Castiel want to go out into the world and discover what it has to offer. He makes Castiel want to push past all of his own boundaries and fears, to learn how to become a better man. He makes Castiel want to walk down a crowded street with no fear, to live a life full of spontaneity and joy and excitement. And Castiel wants to live that life with Dean by his side, wants to live it with the man who excites him, exasperates and infuriates him, impassions, inspires, and delights him. He can't imagine living life without Dean now. In fact, just the thought of that leaves him aching and distraught. On Saturday, one week after Dean stormed out on him, Castiel does his best to distract himself. He wakes early enough in the morning to go for a jog in the park with Zeppi, though it's been a struggle these past few days to step outside his home. He seems to be experiencing a sort of relapse with his agoraphobia again, and he can only assume it's due to the stress of his fight with Dean. But necessity forces him through it, since he can't very well expect the dog to walk herself. That afternoon, he decides to take a break from riding to flop on the couch and watch a few movies with Zeppi snuggled against him. He feels anxious and unsettled, wishing he could work up the nerve to call Dean, or, better yet, wishing the phone would ring and it would be Dean calling him instead. Castile knows better than to hope for something like that, given how furious Dean was when he left. But he still can't help but wish it all the same. He makes himself a sandwich for supper and pours Zeppi a bowl of food, standing over the counter and eating his sandwich as he watches the dog munch away at her kibble. As the sun is setting, he takes Zeppi to the park for her nightly walk and nervously keeps an eye on their surroundings, his grip staying tight on the stun gun in his coat pocket. It's really too warm to be wearing the trench coat but it makes carrying his phone, keys, and stun gun so much easier with the extra pockets. Once Zeppi has done her business, and Castiel has scooped up after her, they scurry back to the apartment. 
Castile cleans in the kitchen and straightens the den, and sits down at his computer to check his email one last time before bed. He decides he probably needs to charge his cell phone, but when he goes to hook it up, it's nowhere to be found. He searches through the den, his bedroom, and the kitchen, but it still turns up missing. As an afterthought, he checks the pockets of his trench, where he finds the stun gun. He knows for a fact he had his phone the last time he was out walking Zeppi, because he remembers checking it for the time. Cursing to himself, Castiel realizes he must have dropped the phone outside at some point. He bites his lips as he considers what to do. The thought of going outside right now, this late, and with it this dark, makes his heart race and his stomach churn. But damn it, he's determined to make himself do this. He was just outside barely an hour ago. And it's not as if he has to traverse the entire city. He says as much to the dog, where she sits watching him with her head cocked, as if she can read his mind. We didn't go far. Unless someone already picked it up, it shouldn't be too difficult to find. The way his voice goes dry and panicked makes him even more determined, and he grabs his key and hurries to the door before he can talk himself out of it, Zeppi close at his heels. No, girl, you need to stay. Keep an eye on the place for me, okay? He tells her, locking the door behind him. He doesn't even realize until he's halfway across the street that he left his coat with the stun gun in it behind at home. He halts his steps and considers turning around and going back up for them, but he shakes his head and forges on, given how far he's come already. It's darker than it looked from the other side of the street, and as Castiel walks briskly into the park in between the first few trees, he reaches for his keys, switching on the tiny pen light he has connected to his key ring. It doesn't make much difference, but he reasons it'll be enough to reflect off his phone if he should come across it. After ten minutes that feel more like an eternity, Castiel finally finds the phone at the furthermost point of his earlier walk. With a sigh of relief, he bends to pick it up and slips it into his back pocket. As he makes his way through the trees, he gets a glimpse of his building across the street, and what he sees makes him stop dead in his tracks. There, leaning against the building, is Dean. He has his head down and his hand against his head, holding his cell phone to his ear. If he'd been looking up, he would have surely seen Castiel across the street, but instead of walking towards him or calling out to him, Castiel chooses to take a couple steps back into the shade of the trees, just so he can stare and wonder at Dean's presence here for a few moments. Are you calling me? He breathes, and he fumbles his phone out of his pocket again, spares a glance down at the black screen. Are you giving me a second chance? He knows, or at least hopes, that this will be a moment that he'll remember for a long time, and his heart skips a beat as he remembers the sound of Dean's voice when he's teasing him, the color of his eyes the exact shade of green that had haunted his dreams for months before he had ever met Dean. As Castiel takes a step forward, ready to make his presence known, he notices a shadow out of the corner of his eye. A tall skeleton of a man wearing a black hoodie 
is striding quickly towards Dean. Castiel watches, confused, as the man approaches Dean and seems to start up a conversation. And when Dean raises his head, says something in response, the man pulls his hand out of his pocket and raises a knife to Dean's throat. Everything for the next several seconds happens as if it's in slow motion. Castiel feeling as if he's watching Dean and this man acting out their parts on a stage, with Castiel himself watching through icy cold water. Dean struggles as the man pushes him against the brick wall. The man has one hand wrapped around Dean's neck now, pushing up and obviously cutting off his air, while the other hand pushes the tip of the knife blade against Dean's throat. Castiel feels his breath leave him as he flashes back to that moment so many years ago, the moment that changed things forever. He remembers the terror he felt, the fear so absolute and encompassing that he can't remember what life felt like without it. He remembers the helplessness he felt as he watched the man point the gun at his mother and pull the trigger, and the agony of feeling her life slip through his fingers as easily and as quickly as the blood seeped through her blouse. But in a flash, he's back to the here and now, and he experiences everything around him. The breeze through the leaves and the branches above him, the noise of the crickets in the nighttime air, the scent of the newly mown grass in his nostrils, and the scene across the street, with a sharpened clarity greater than any figurative light bulb over his head could produce. He will not let this end like that fateful night so long ago. He can't go back in time to save his mother and the frightened child he used to be, but he can save Dean and the future he represents for Castiel now. He's still afraid, but instead of allowing that fear to paralyze him, he uses the flood of adrenaline to his advantage. He quickly sneaks along in the shadow of the trees, searching for a darker strip of street to cross, away from any streetlights. Under the cover of darkness, he darts across the pavement, keeping an eye on Dean and the man. At the same time, he curses himself for not bringing his stun gun, he says a prayer of thanks that he's not wearing his coat, because the billowing of the fabric would surely alert the mugger to his presence. He sneaks up behind the man, careful to stay behind his line of sight. As he gets closer, he can hear the man cursing gutturally at Dean, sees Dean just barely glance at him as he skulks up behind them both, and Castiel winces, hoping the man didn't notice. He takes a few seconds to judge the situation, not sure of how to get the man away from Dean without the blade cutting Dean's throat. The man seems to grow tired of Dean struggling, and he grunts out another expletive, tenses his right shoulder in a way that indicates action. Castiel jumps before he can even think, grabbing the man by the upper arm and twisting him around. He punches him with a right hook, then knees him in the groin. As the man is bent over, moaning in pain, Castiel uses all of his strength to hit him again, and he grimaces as he feels the skin across his knuckles split against the mugger's cheekbone. The last punch he throws is an uppercut that splays the mugger out on the sidewalk, curled into a ball as he continues to groan from the injury to his groin. 
Castiel clutches his bleeding hand as he steps around the prone man to Dean, who is leaning against the wall, bent over and rubbing his neck. Dean, he croaks, are you all right? Castiel places a hand along Dean's back and bends down, trying his best to get a look at Dean's face. Jesus, Cass, where the hell did you learn to throw a mean hook like that? Dean rasps, voice barely above a whisper. Castiel frowns as he notices blood staining Dean's hand. I, I watch a lot of movies, he responds, and then, you're bleeding, he points out. Yeah, well, that kind of happens when some asshole tries to slit your throat open. Dean croaks, coughing. Castiel wants to say more, ask why Dean was here in the first place. But he can hear sirens blaring in the distance, getting closer by the second. Someone must have seen what was happening and called it in, he thinks. But before he can get the words out, a police car pulls around the corner and squeals to a stop at the curb. The questions and explanations will take hours, Castiel knows. He starts desperately. Dean, why were you? We'll talk, Dean whispers. His face is white, his eyes huge. He's reeling on his feet in shock, Castiel realizes. He reaches out and threads his hands under Dean's arms as Dean's knees buckle, supports him as he slumps down onto his ass. And still Dean gazes at Castiel like Castiel is an avenging angel. And he smiles weakly and says it again, firmer this time. We'll talk. I want to. It'll have to do for now. Dean never considered himself to be the damsel in distress type before, but he guesses there's a first time for everything. He thought he'd bought it when the asshole pulled that knife on him, sharp tip of the blade digging into his skin. So when he saw Castiel sneaking up behind the dude, his first reaction was relief, but almost simultaneously he felt an overwhelming sense of panic. If Cass got hurt, or worse, because of him... He'd never forgive himself. It'd be just one more person that Dean hurt just by being a part of his life. And of course, that was when Cass proceeded to beat the holy shit out of the guy. Dean chuckles to himself as he sits on Cass's bathroom counter, legs swinging as he waits for Muhammad Ali to find the antiseptic he misplaced. He knew the nerdy dude was built because he was sneaky enough to check him out whenever Cass took that stupid trench coat off, but still. Cass knowing how to fight, and how to fight dirty, has Dean imagining all kinds of things they could get up to in the sack, and he really needs to start thinking of something else before his dick decides to make its presence known. Castiel finally returns to the bathroom, brow furrowed in concern. Take your shirt off. Dean can feel his eyes go wide. Uh, shouldn't we, you know, talk first? Castiel gives him a bitch face that he must have learned from Sam at some point. There's blood on it. Please, take it off. I don't want to see it. Castiel's voice is faint 
and Dean notices for the first time that the other man looks pale and drawn. And fuck, he remembers what Castiel told him, what happened all those years ago. He does as he's told, pulling the shirt up and over his head. He throws it on the floor, in the corner of the bathroom, and when he brings his eyes back to Castiel, the other man's eyes are closed and he's blowing out long exhales. It's all right, Cass, Dean says softly. I'm all right, because of you. Castiel opens his eyes, gazes at Dean for a long moment, his face serious. Why are you here, Dean? He asks finally. Dean can feel the butterflies in his stomach start fluttering up a storm. This is good, though, he thinks. We need to get this part out of the way. Castiel needs to know that he knows everything now, and he needs to know how sorry he is. Dean's afternoon with Sam did more than dredge up all his old wounds. It made him realize he doesn't want to live without Castiel anymore. That he's ready to start this next chapter of his life, no matter how scary as fuck it is. He takes a deep breath. I talked to Pam, he says. Castiel's eyes go wide a mirror of Dean's expression just moments before. What? Dean shrugs. Actually, it was more her talking to me. She's kind of bossy. Castiel's face twists in confusion. Dean, I don't understand. Why? When did you talk to her? She came to see me a few nights ago at the club. Dean replies. You know, she really cares about you. That's a good friend you got there, Cass. He watches as Castiel squeezes his eyes shut again and shakes his head. What did she say to you? Dean stares down at his hands, fingers laced together as they hang between his thighs. She told me the truth about the book, he says quietly. Castiel tisks, staring down at the floor. She shouldn't have done that. You should have heard it from me first. Dean snorts. Yeah, well, I would have, except I was an asshole who wouldn't let you speak before I stormed out of here. Castiel shakes his head once more before lifting it and meeting Dean's eyes. I don't blame you. I was a fool. I should have told you about the book before I even started writing it. Dean throws up his hands. Yeah, well, I was an asshole for not even giving you the chance to explain it before jumping to conclusions and slamming the door in your face. I don't know if you've noticed this about me or not, but I kind of have trust issues. Castiel's lips quirk as he blinks slowly at Dean. As do I. He looks down at Dean's hands and takes a step forward. We are a pair, aren't we? Chuckling, Dean says, <laughs> Yeah, we are. Guess maybe it means we're better off with each other instead of forcing anybody else to have to deal with us. Castiel rolls his eyes. Oh, how very romantic, he says sarcastically. You know what I mean, jerk, Dean mutters as he reaches for Castiel's hand. He runs the pad of his thumb softly over Cass's knuckles, flinching at the broken skin where Cass had punched the mugger. Cass inches forward, stepping between Dean's thighs as he pulls his hand closer. That maybe we were supposed to find each other. And that's... Dean doesn't really believe in all that destiny shit. But he's had this feeling, almost since the first moment he laid eyes on Cass, 
that this was supposed to happen. And it kind of creeps him out at the same time. It excites him to know that Cass has felt the same. Yeah, he replies breathlessly. Castiel's eyes are half-lidded as he takes another step closer, and Dean has to widen the V of his legs to accommodate him. Dean, I... Castiel pauses, eyes flicking to Dean's throat before continuing. I need to clean up that cut. Dean expels a breath and bites back a curse. He's pretty sure he must have the world's worst case of blue balls in the history of ever especially after the makeout session from a week ago was so abruptly ended, thanks to his freakout. Castiel leans over Dean's leg without pulling away to turn on the faucet, running warm water over a washcloth. Dean watches as he rubs a little soap over the cloth, then hisses as Castiel dabs lightly over the cut with it. Sorry, Castiel murmurs, face apologetic as he continues to rub the soapy cloth over the cut. Dean stares up at the ceiling and grits his teeth, determined not to seem more like a wuss than he already does. Once Castiel is satisfied it's clean enough, he pokes a Q-tip soaked in peroxide over the wound, and Dean huffs at the sensation. It tickles, he says, and Castiel smiles. You were making it tickle on purpose, weren't you? Dean asks, mock offended. Castiel's smile gets wider, and Dean can feel his heart melt a little because it's all gummy, and Cass's nose crinkles up in what must be the most adorable way he's ever seen. I've heard that distracting small children by tickling them makes them not notice when a wound is being treated, Castiel replies. Hey, so you're saying I'm acting like a wussy little baby, is that it? Dean protests. Well, if the Sesame Street Band-Aid fits. Castiel lets his words trail off. Dean rolls his eyes and looks down at Castiel's hand. Yeah, well, we'll see how tough you are when I start fixing up your hand. He reaches forward and grabs the hand, opening Castiel's fist to spread out his fingers. He feels a pang of sympathy when he hears Cass hiss in pain. He's had his fair share of bloody knuckles, so he knows how painful it can be. He rubs small, soothing circles on Cass's palm as they both stare down at the wound. And the question on Dean's mind bubbles to the surface before Dean can stop the words from leaving his mouth. Cass, how did you get up the nerve to save me like that? Aren't you scared? He whispers. He watches as Castiel goes still, his eyes staring at the counter next to Dean. He's starting to think Cass won't answer him after many seconds are met with silence. But just as he's about to pull his hand away, Castiel opens his mouth to speak. I was terrified, he whispers hoarsely. I, when I first saw what was happening, I froze. I couldn't move. I, I kept picturing that night with my mother, remembering what happened. Then I saw the man press the knife closer, and and I knew I had to move. I had to do something. I couldn't just stand there and watch another person I love get hurt. Dean doesn't move or say anything in response. Hearing Castiel say that he loves him makes him feel as if he's been pushed off this cliff they've been tiptoeing around for weeks. 
He suspected that Cass feels this way, of course. How could he not, given what he's planning to do for Dean and for his brother? But he'd never allowed himself to actually hope for it, because then he'd be setting himself up for disappointment if Cass didn't feel the same as him. And he does love Cass. He's known it in the back of his mind for a while now. His talk with Sam this afternoon is what made him actually admit it to himself. But admitting it to himself and saying the words out loud to Cass are two very different things. And even though Cass said it first, Dean still can't bring himself to spit the words out. Not yet. Not without vomiting all over himself and Cass from fear and nerves. Dean watches Castiel's gaze move along his skin before finding the wound on his neck. It doesn't look as deep now that I've cleaned it up, Castiel murmurs. He lifts a hand to reach out and touch Dean's neck, but hesitates, hand suspended in midair. His eyes dart to meet Dean's. I'm still not used to being able to touch you now, he says. Dean smiles. You're allowed to touch me, whenever and wherever you want, from now on. Castiel keeps his eyes on Dean's as he leans forward slowly, placing a hand on the counter on either side of Dean's hips. Oh, I plan on it, he whispers. Dean hisses as he feels Castiel's lips ghost across the wound on his neck. He closes his eyes and reaches forward, curling his fingers through the belt loops of Cass's jeans and tugging him closer. At the first touch of Cass's tongue along his neck, Dean fucking whimpers, and he'd be embarrassed at showing his need so quickly and easily if he wasn't needing it just so goddamn much. Castiel lets go of the counter to slide his fingers along the skin of Dean's back, and Dean can feel goose flesh popping up all over his body. He tightens his thighs around Cass's waist, pulling him in even closer, not even ashamed of the growing bulge in his jeans. He wants Cass to know how much he wants this, how hard he is for him. He wraps his arms around Cass's shoulders and grunts in frustration at Cass still wearing his shirt. He needs to feel skin on skin right the fuck now. Take that fucking shirt off, Cass, he mutters. Castiel pulls away from licking Dean's clavicle long enough to pull the shirt over his head, then leans back in quickly, but before he can make contact, Dean places his hands on Cass's shoulders, freezing him in place. He can't stop staring at Cass. The way his lips are pink and even plumper than normal, his cheeks flushed, his eyelids heavy but doing nothing to mask the desire evident in his eyes. His hair is mussed and sticking out in every direction, and Dean can't resist reaching up to run his fingers through it before getting a good grip and tugging Cass flush against his own body. He tightens his legs around the man, thrusting his erection against Cass's stomach as he looks into his eyes, their lips mere inches apart now. God, I have needed you for so fucking long, Cass, he whispers. Castiel blinks slowly, tongue peeking out to wet his lips. You've got me now, for as long as you'll have me, he murmurs. He closes the distance between them, runs his tongue along the seam of Dean's lips, teasing, and Dean opens his mouth with a moan. 
Dean's grip and Cass's hair tightens as their tongues meet and slide together, wet and hot and perfect. Dean loving the taste of Cass's mouth and wondering if the rest of him will taste the same. He sucks at Cass's tongue before pulling back to bite at his upper lip, something he's wanted to do since the first time he gave Cass a lap dance. Cass fucking growls at that and begins sucking and biting along Dean's jaw. Dean can feel his eyes roll back in his head as Castiel works his way down his throat and to his chest, alternating between licking and biting and sucking. When he pulls a nipple between those sinful lips, Dean bucks his hips and cries out, garnering a chuckle from Cass. Sensitive nipples, hmm? Cass teases as he licks a path over to Dean's other nipple. Dean mutters between groans, Oh, you have no fucking idea, dude. Oh, sweet fucking lord. He gasps when Castiel rolls the hard bud between his teeth and clamps his lips around it, looks down to find Cass staring up at him as he suckles, moaning like the porn star he always suspected he was meant to be. Dean says, voice stuttering, I suggest you m move along unless you want me to come just from this, okay? Castiel smirks around the nipple, but he does as Dean suggests and begins to lick a path down Dean's chest to his stomach. He stops for a moment to swirl the tip of his tongue around Dean's navel, and as he does so, Dean can feel fingers sliding along his thigh to the waistband of his jeans. As the fingers curl and uncurl around the top of his jeans, Dean notices that Castiel's hands are shaking. He reaches up to cradle Cass's face and leans forward, whispering against Cass's quick breaths. Hey, hey, you're okay, right? Is this, is this too much? Dean can't believe the words as they are leaving his mouth, because if Cass actually says, yes, it's too much, we need to stop. He wouldn't be surprised if his balls exploded from sheer frustration. He knows he will stop it and do what he can to make Cass feel better and give him what he needs. But damn, he really hopes that doesn't have to happen. Castile huffs against his mouth, breath sweet and hot. It is too much, but not enough at the same time, if that makes sense. Dean laughs a deep, throaty laugh that pushes him into Cass and he takes a moment to suck on Cass's tongue again before answering. I think anything that ends up with us both naked makes perfect sense to me. Castiel laughs silently against his skin. Speaking of which, why don't you take these pants off, since I can't seem to get my fingers to work? He suggests, voice shaky, and that's something Dean doesn't need to hear twice, at least not at a moment like this. He reaches for the button of his jeans, fingers flicking it open and fumbling at a zipper. It takes him three tries to get a grip on the tab, because he catches the look on Cass's face, and it makes his mouth go dry and his nerves shoot through the roof, because the dude is fucking focused on his groin, eyes and mouth set with a determined and hungry expression. If Dean didn't know better, he'd think Cass hadn't eaten in months and was staring at a juicy cheeseburger or something. 
and that thought both concerns him when he imagines Cass eating a face full of his dick and excites the hell out of him because, yeah, Cass is just that hungry for him, nervous or not. His stupid fingers finally pull the stupid zipper down, and then he hooks them under the waistband to try to pull his jeans down his thighs. It's a clumsy effort, mostly because of the awkward position, and because Dean is so hard it hurts, and he can't concentrate on anything else right now. Castiel lets loose an exasperated breath before grabbing Dean's jeans and yanking the pants down and off his legs himself, which is a fairly impressive feat considering Dean is still wearing his sneakers. But Cass gets rid of those quickly as well, pulling them and Dean's socks off and throwing them to one corner of the bathroom, leaving Dean wearing only his boxer briefs. Slow hands glide up Dean's thighs and reach for the waistband of his underwear, and Dean lifts himself up so Cass can roll them off. As he does so, he leans forward, nuzzling his nose against Cass's neck and behind his ear. He pulls an earlobe into his mouth, mouthing at the flesh as Cass pulls his boxers down past his knees. Dean's cock is rock hard and thwacks against his stomach as it's freed from the constraints of his underwear, and he can't help but whimper at the feel of the warm air between them caressing his dick. Castiel groans as Dean sucks and nibbles on his earlobe, before he pulls away to begin licking along Dean's chest again, and Dean can feel his breath quicken in anticipation. He realizes that he's buck naked here, while Castiel is still wearing his jeans, but before he can form a protest, he feels a tongue along the slit of his dick, and all coherent thought promptly leaves his brain. Oh, God, Cass, you're going to kill me tonight, aren't you? He stutters as Cass moves his tongue to the juncture of his thigh and hip, ignoring his swollen shaft. Cass chuckles against Dean's hip and looks up at him between eyelashes. Killing you would negate all the plans I have, he says, biting at the tender skin of Dean's inner thigh. Dean chews his lip, struggling to keep from fisting Cass's hair and pulling that delicious mouth back over to his dick. Would you like to know what's first on my list of things I want to do to you, Dean? Cass asks, tongue licking circles around Dean's hip bone. The first thing I want to do is suck your cock and drink you in as you come down my throat. Oh, holy Jesus Christ, Cass, I... What's the first thing you want me to do, Dean? I want to hear you say it. Castiel demands, and for someone with shaky hands who's claiming to be nervous, he sure does seem to be bossy. Dean bites down on his lip, hesitant to voice what he wants, because he's never really been one for dirty talk, and stripper job notwithstanding, he's always been a vanilla type of guy. But something about Castiel must bring out the nasty in him, because the next thing he knows he's begging... I want you to put that fucking mouth on me and suck my cock, Cass, please. And he can't help himself anymore. He has to thread his fingers through Castiel's hair, has to urge those lips back around him before he busts a ball from the absolute need to fuck that mouth. Suddenly, blessedly, his dick is encased in the wet, velvety vacuum, and it is by far the best thing Dean has ever felt. 
he half-heartedly goes to pull his hands out of Cass's hair, but jumps when he feels Cass's hands clench on his own, not letting him pull them away. When he looks down, Cass is staring up at him with his tongue teasing down his shaft. Don't let go, Castiel whispers before taking Dean back into his mouth. He inches his way slowly down Dean's cock, taking him in almost to the base before stopping. He swallows, squeezing the head with the constriction of his throat, and then he sucks so hard his cheeks go hollow, and Dean wonders if he practiced by sucking a watermelon through a straw. Dean slings his head back, hitting it against the mirror behind him and probably giving himself a concussion, but he doesn't even give a shit because Cass is swallowing him down like there's no tomorrow, or even no next five minutes. Castiel keeps sucking as he pulls back up Dean's shaft, and uses one hand to fondle Dean's balls, while the other hand begins to fist Dean's cock. He looks back up at Dean as he starts to lick and suckle on the crown of Dean's dick, eyes fluttering shut every few seconds as he moans filthily at the slit acting for all the world as if he's sucking on the tastiest popsicle he's ever had. Dean licks and bites on his lower lip as he watches his dick slide between Cass's lips, and as Cass squeezes the shaft, Dean's hips buck involuntarily, causing Cass to take him in farther. Cass's eyes go wide, and Dean is about to apologize when he pulls his mouth off his dick with an audible pop. Dean, get down, Cass says, panting, eyes wide. Dean wonders if Cass is pissed, not being able to decipher what he's thinking by the tone of his voice. He jumps down off the counter, his dick bobbing at the movement, as he watches Cass kneel down in front of him. He reaches up to grab Dean's hands, placing them back along his head and into his hair. He looks up at Dean and licks his lips as he whispers, Fuck my mouth. As Cass takes the head of his dick between his lips, Dean tries to remember if he sold his soul to the devil any time recently, because he has no fucking idea what he must have done to deserve someone as hot as this. But he decides not to look a gift horse in the mouth, so to speak, as he tightens his grip on Castiel's hair and begins to thrust. He moves slowly at first, shallow incursions that have his cock just barely moving in the channel of Castiel's mouth. But when Cass grunts and slides his hands up the back of Dean's thighs, squeezing the globes of Dean's ass and pulling him deeper into his mouth, Dean gets the point. He moves deeper and faster, staring down, mesmerized, as he watches his cock disappear between those full lips. It's messy and wet, as Castiel's saliva mixes with Dean's precum, slicking up his lips and drooling down his chin. But Castiel doesn't seem to care. In fact, he moans around Dean's dick, eyes closing shut as he squeezes Dean's ass, finger sliding up and down the crease. Between the vibrations from Castiel moaning and him squeezing and teasing his ass, Dean can feel his balls tightening up. He looks down at Cass, opens his mouth to warn him he's about to come. But the look Cass gives him tells him Cass already knows. One last thrust into Cass's tight mouth, 
the head of his cock bouncing off the back of Cass's throat, has Dean exploding, fingers gripping Cass's head tightly and holding him in place as he spills himself down his throat. Castiel stares up at him as he drinks him down, swallowing and sucking everything Dean gives him. Dean leans back against the counter as his dick continues to pulse in Cass's mouth, and he strokes Cass's hair gently, watching Cass continue to suck and lick. Once Cass realizes there's nothing left to milk, he pulls off, kneeling back on his heels and smiling up at Dean as he wipes his mouth. You are one dedicated son of a bitch, you know that, Dean says fondly. He pulls Castiel up to stand against him and wraps his arms around the man's waist. As Cass leans in to kiss him, Dean can feel his cock is stiff and straining against his jeans. Dean sucks on his tongue, tasting the salt tang of his own jizz before pulling away and resting his forehead against Castiel's. Cass, I want you to fuck me, he whispers, voice raspy. Castiel groans, rubbing his erection against Dean's hip. Are you sure? Dean chuckles, kissing his way down Castiel's throat. I think I've wanted to feel you inside me from the first moment I saw you, so yeah, I'm pretty fucking sure. He feels Castiel shudder, his body hard and tight as he wraps his arms around Dean. Let's go to the bedroom, he murmurs entwining his fingers with Dean's own and leading him out of the bathroom. Once in the bedroom, Dean sits on the edge of the bed and watches as Castiel strips off the rest of his clothes. When he's down to his boxers, Dean holds out a hand, urging Castiel closer so that he can remove them himself. As it's released from the confines of his underwear, Castiel's cock bounces against his stomach, hard and already leaking a droplet of precum. Dean leans forward to swirl his tongue along the crown, mouth watering at the taste of Cass, and possibly even better than the taste of his tongue. Castiel stares down at him, eyes wide and lips parted, as Dean opens his mouth and takes him in. As he begins to suck in earnest, Cass grunts and pulls away. I thought you wanted me to fuck you, he chides. Dean smirks. I do but I couldn't resist a taste when it's right there in front of me, looking all juicy and tasty like that. Castiel bites his lip, wrapping a hand around his cock and pumping it lazily. I guess you'll just have to taste your fill some other time then, he says. Dean leans forward to swipe his tongue one last time around the slit, and before Castiel pulls away, he rubs the head of his dick along the side of Dean's mouth and along his cheek. Dean can feel the wetness from his spit and Castiel's precum marking his face. And the possessive look in Cass's eyes makes Dean's own soft dick twitch in interest. Damn, Dean thinks happily. Cass is one kinky bastard. Cass raises a hand and places it on Dean's shoulder, pushing him back onto the bed. Roll over onto your stomach, he says huskily. Dean crawls onto the bed tucking his knees underneath him and sticking his ass up into the air. He's never done this before. All his times with other dudes consisted mostly of just blowjobs, handjobs, and dry humping. So, to say he's nervous about it is an understatement, 
but he wants it. He knows he does. And he takes several deep breaths, trying to prepare and relax himself as best he can. He doesn't expect to feel gentle hands rubbing along his spine or soft kisses teasing along the dip between his buttocks and lower back. And when those hands spread his cheeks open, he sure as hell doesn't expect to feel a kiss against his hole. He sucks in a breath at the feel of warm lips teasing his ass, and when a hot, wet tongue probes his rim, he gasps and cries in astonishment. Shh, just relax and enjoy this, Dean, Castiel whispers against his ass cheek, and the second time Cass's tongue licks a path into his hole, Dean goes with it, squeezing his eyes shut and grunting incoherent words. He pretty much loses all sense of reality after that, as Castiel's tongue fucks his ass, licking and sucking him open, leaving him raw and vulnerable and needy in ways he's never even fathomed before. He pushes his ass back against Castiel every time Cass's tongue pulls away, crying out and pleading for Cass not to stop, begging for it like a fucking cat in heat. When Dean feels a finger slide in along Castiel's tongue, he loses the ability to speak. He mouths and bites at the blanket underneath him, clenching the sheets between his fists in a vain attempt to hang on for dear life. There's a moment of emptiness then, and Dean hears a noise, looks over his shoulder to see Castiel opening a bottle of lube, slicking up his fingers his own eyes stark with what looks like amazement and sheer joy. Dean can't even look at that much naked emotion, and he buries his face back in the bed as two fingers press in, followed by a third, and before Dean knows it, he's getting finger-fucked fast and hard. On every third swipe, Cass's fingers curl, and he can just barely touch Dean's prostate, and all Dean can think about is just how amazing it's going to feel when Cass's cock is ramming into him. Then, suddenly, he's empty again, Cass having pulled away. And fuck if Dean doesn't whimper, embarrassing the shit out of himself. But he can hear a condom wrapper being ripped, and he turns his head to watch Cass over his shoulder, almost drooling at what he sees. God damn, Cass is hot. His shoulders are broad, with muscles rippling and corded along his neck and arms. He doesn't have a six-pack, but his stomach is lean and taut all the same. The dude's got hip bones that make Dean want to tattoo a mark there that says Property of Dean, and he makes a mental note to spend a lot of time on them tomorrow, and the next day, and the next. And then pretty much every day for the foreseeable future. But the star of the show right now is Castiel's cock. It's not as thick as Dean's, but it's long. So long that Dean wonders if it'll punch right through his prostate as Cass is fucking him. And his mouth begins to water at the realization that he's about to find out. The shaft curves just a bit to the left, and the head is red and swollen and gorgeous. Dean licks his lips and almost reconsiders almost begs Cass to let him suck him dry instead. But as Cass begins to roll the rubber onto his dick with shaky hands, Dean knows there's nothing in the world he wants more right now than to feel Cass inside him. Cass looks up and meets Dean's gaze, 
once the condom is rolled all the way on. Dean sees a flicker of panic in his eyes before Cass scoots forward on his knees. Roll over onto your back, Cass says, voice quiet and strained. Dean rolls over and spreads his legs wide to accommodate Cass. He reaches a hand forward, grabs on to Cass's bicep and pulls him down and on top of him. Cass places an arm on either side of Dean's head, threading fingers through Dean's hair as he leans down and places a kiss on his lips. Dean closes his eyes and opens his mouth, licking along Cass's lips until they part. They kiss slowly, tongues twisting lazily along each other, until Cass shifts and his dick slides against the crease of Dean's ass. Dean moans and the kiss quickly deepens. Cass's grip and Dean's hair tightening as he begins to fuck Dean's mouth with his tongue. Cass, Dean murmurs, I need you inside me. Don't make me beg for it, dude. Castiel moans, pulling back to kiss along Dean's jaw. I don't know how long I'm going to last, Dean. I've wanted this for so long. I don't care how long you last, just show me. Show me how much you've wanted this. Give it to me, Cass. Dean whimpers as Castiel pulls away, but shuts up when he realizes Cass is just reaching for the lube. He closes his eyes as he listens to the obscene, wet, slick sounds of Cass rubbing lube along his dick. Then Castiel is breathing words across Dean's lips. Look at me, Dean, he whispers, before placing a chaste kiss on Dean's lips. I want to see you when I do this. I want you to see me. Dean nods wordlessly, fixes his eyes to piercing blue as Castiel runs his hands along the back of Dean's thighs, pulling Dean's legs up and onto his shoulders. Dean holds his breath, then forces himself to let it go as it occurs to him that it's probably not such a good idea to be this tense when someone's trying to stick their dick in you. His breath hitches when he feels the hard, blunt head of Cass's cock against his entrance. And again, he forces himself to regulate his breathing as he feels Cass breach his rim. The pain at first is almost too much, even if Cass worked him open with his fingers. Dean grits his teeth against the burning sensation as Cass inches forward ever so slowly. But he doesn't take his eyes off Cass, and he sees it all in Cass's gaze. Surprise, happiness, pleasure. A wash of emotions that mesmerize Dean. Makes it worth any discomfort he's feeling as Cass spreads him open. It's eked out and careful, and once Castiel is fully sheathed inside Dean, he stops to stare down, panting as he looks on in wonder. Dean can feel the ache start to lessen, can begin to see how this overfull feeling might start eventually feeling more good than bad as he stares back up at Cass. He can't help but smirk as he asks, How's the feeling for you, Cass? How anyone can blush when they're balls deep in some guy's ass is a question for the ages, but Castiel manages to do it. He smiles down at Dean as he answers, I feel like your heat and tightness are going to burn me alive or make me explode, but I don't ever want it to stop. Dean experimentally clenches his ass. 
and is rewarded with a fucking delicious moan from Cass. Well, I heard a rumor that it's even better if we, you know, start moving, he jokes. Cass stares at him for a second longer before pulling back and nudging in again, as slowly as before, inch by excruciating inch, his eyes closing and a gasp punching out of him as he eases forward. Dean instinctively rocks up to meet him, running his hands down Castiel's back to his butt and pulling him in as deep as he can, as Castiel dips down to bury his face in Dean's neck. Dean... Castiel whispers against Dean's skin, his breath misting hot there, and Dean feels an overwhelming surge of tenderness that has him cant his head and press his lips to Castiel's temple. I know, he murmurs. I know. Castiel groans, low and harsh, pulls his ass up and out again, thrusts his hips back in so hard this time, that Dean is convinced his balls left a bruise as they slapped against his ass. The sensation as his ass fits itself around Cass as he drives in makes Dean abruptly dizzy with lust, and he squeezes his eyes shut and throws his head back. Fuck yeah, just like that, Cass, he groans. Fuck yeah, just like that, Cass, he groans. Castiel needs no more encouragement. He begins to pump Dean's ass hard and fast, rolling his hips each time he's deep, rubbing Dean's prostate and pulling curses and moans from Dean. The only thing better than Cass's dick ramming his prostate is watching the expressions and hearing the sounds Cass is making. Dean never would have expected Cass to be this forceful and this wild, but now he's finding his rhythm, he's giving Dean the ass ramming of his life. It's a good thing Dean doesn't have plans to have sex with anybody else anytime soon, or ever, because Cass is pretty much ruining him for anybody else at this point. And even though Dean emptied himself down Castiel's throat not too long ago, he can feel his own dick already starting to swell with need again. He raises an arm above his head to grab onto the headboard as he lowers his other hand to grab onto his dick, stripping himself fast to keep up with Cass. The sounds of Cass's dick sliding in and out of his hole and Castiel's balls slapping against his ass are so pornographic and hot that they bring Dean really close to coming again embarrassingly fast. He only hopes he can last longer than Cass, given he's already shot his wad once tonight. When he feels Cass pause and fucking him, he opens his eyes to find Cass staring down at his hand, pumping his cock. Cass bats away his hand and wraps his own long fingers around Dean's shaft, resuming his thrusts and stripping Dean's dick at the same time. Dean would find it unfair that the dude can synchronize and do both so well at the same time if he weren't the one who was benefiting from it. Suddenly, Castiel's thrusts become erratic and stuttered, and Dean makes an effort to keep his eyes open so he can watch Cass lose it. The body above him goes stiff, and Cass sinks himself in hard and deep one last time before crying out. The sensation of the head of Cass's rigid cock butting against his prostate sends Dean over the edge as well, and he feels his ass clench down on Cass's shaft, milking him as his own cum spurts across his chest and stomach. 
Cass continues to fist Dean's cock, working him through his orgasm as his own climax rakes through his body. Dean slides his hand back up to Cass's shoulders and neck, pulling him down for a kiss. Their tongues caress each other sleepily, and Dean cradles Cass's head between his hands before letting Cass pull away so that he could slide his softening dick out of Dean's ass and remove the condom. Dean starts looking around the room for tissues or a shirt or something he can wipe his spunk off with and snorts when Castiel throws some Kleenex his way. So, uh, what are you doing with a nightstand full of rubbers and lube anyway? Dean asks, teasing. Cass smirks as he pulls a corner of the bedspread up and motions for Dean to scoot over so he can crawl under the covers. I was feeling very optimistic before our date last weekend, he admits, pulling the covers up and over them. Dean barks out a laugh. I hope you were optimistic enough to get the economy sizes, he replies, pulling Castiel against his chest and wrapping his arms around. This is okay, right? He asks, suddenly not sure if Cass meant for him to stay the night. Castiel raises his head to look down at Dean, confused. Is what okay? Dean vaguely motions to them lying in bed. This, me staying here, spending the night, is this what you want? Castiel stares at Dean very seriously before leaning forward and placing a kiss on his lips. Yes, this is what I want, indefinitely. Dean smiles to himself, staring up at the ceiling. I can work with that. He listens to Castiel's breathing become slower and more regular as he starts to fall asleep. He continues to stare up at the ceiling, trying to go to sleep himself but not having much luck. It's been a long time since he's tried to sleep in someone else's bed, especially with that someone else curled against him. At one point, Castiel mumbles something incoherent in his sleep and rolls over onto his side, his back to Dean. Dean smiles as he stares at the man's bedhead fondly and rolls over onto his side, sliding up behind Castiel and wrapping an arm around his waist. He nuzzles his nose behind Castiel's ear and kisses along the nape of his neck before whispering against his soft skin, I love you too. The following morning, Castiel wakes to an empty bed and a room full of sunshine. He blinks around blearily, looking for signs of Dean's whereabouts, but not finding a clue of it until he hears dishes clattering in the kitchen. He pulls on pajama bottoms and stumbles down the hall and into the kitchen, where he finds Dean standing in front of the open fridge, his back to Castiel. There's a pan of bacon frying on the stove and a mixing bowl of what looks to be egg yolks on the counter. Zeppi is standing at Dean's feet with her tail wagging, looking up at Dean as if he is a god and she is his faithful servant, waiting for scraps. Good morning, Dean, Cass rasps, his throat apparently sore from last night. Dean jumps and turns around quickly, smiling brightly at Castiel. Good morning, Angel Cakes. 
They stare at each other across the counter awkwardly, Castiel not quite sure how to respond. Okay, yeah, angel cakes is a big no. I would say so, yes. Just thought I'd test it out and see how it sounded. Dean continues, smiling bashfully. So, uh, you hungry? Because I'm starving, since somebody kind of wrung me dry last night, if you know what I mean. Dean winks lewdly, and Castiel finds he suddenly can't believe Dean is here. He smiles purely by reflex, feels his face turning pink. Yes, I think I am quite hungry as well. Do you need any help? Dean shrugs and shakes his head. Nah, I got it all taken care of. You've got a pretty well-stocked kitchen, man. I'm impressed. Yes, well, given how I don't like to go out shopping, it serves me well to stay organized and plan ahead, Castiel replies. Okay, so I took a shower when I first woke up, but I'm pretty sure I left enough hot water if you want to take one, too. I can finish up stuff here and have it all ready when you get out if you want, Dean says, whisking eggs in a bowl. That sounds wonderful, Dean. Thank you. Castiel responds, turning to walk back down the hall and towards the bathroom. Before he can take more than three steps, though, he feels an arm wrap around his waist and pull him back, and Dean leans down to kiss the juncture between his neck and shoulder. Don't take too long, Dean murmurs against Castiel's skin, hand sliding down and under the fabric of his pajamas to wrap around his cock. Castiel throws his head back and lays it against Dean's shoulder, turning his head to give him better access to his neck. If you keep this up, I'll never even leave, he scolds half-heartedly. Dean chuckles as he releases him and splays a hand between his shoulder blades, pushing him forward gently. Point taken. Go on, get cleaned up for the food orgy, he teases. Castiel laughs as he walks down the hall. Half an hour later, Castiel is clean and sitting at the kitchen table, hair still wet and making the hem around his neckline damp. Dean busies himself in the kitchen, pouring mugs of coffee, adding food to plates and buttering toast. What he brings to the table is enough to feed a small army, Castiel is convinced. Scrambled eggs, bacon, hash browns, pancakes, and toast spill off their plates and Dean drowns everything on his plate in maple syrup. You want some syrup, too? he asks, offering the bottle to Castiel. Castiel shakes his head. No, I just keep it here for when my brother visits, actually, and I think you're consuming enough for the both of us. Dean snorts and begins to dig into his food. Castiel takes a bite of the hash browns and eggs, and he has to admit Dean is a pretty good cook. He pauses between the bites to take a look around the table and the kitchen counter. Where's the fruit? he asks. Dean's brows knit together in confusion. What fruit? The fruit in the fridge. I've got strawberries, pineapple, melon. They all taste wonderful with what we've got here. Dean raises his eyebrows. You're kidding me, right? You don't eat fruit with a meal like this. It would ruin it. Castiel rolls his eyes at Dean before pushing away from the table and walking into the kitchen. 
Are you that against eating something healthy that you can't appreciate when something is delicious? Oh, for you're just like Sammy, aren't you? You going to start ribbing me about eating better now, too? If I think you need to take better care of yourself, which I do, then yes, I will start ribbing you. Castiel replies loftily. He grabs a plastic bowl of fruit from the fridge and sits back down at the table, eyeing Dean carefully. Speaking of Sam, we haven't really discussed the book. He broaches quietly. Dean looks at him out of the corner of his eye as he chews. What about it? Castiel leans back in his chair. Well, for one thing, are you okay with me continuing to write it? I will, of course, still want you to give the final approval on it before I allow it to be published. Dean sets his fork down on his plate as he finishes chewing. Cass, I trust you, okay? I trust you not to write stuff about me that I don't want made public. He shrugs. I never stopped trusting you. I was just stupid and freaked out and scared before, is all. Castiel stares at him, a small smile playing across his lips. I appreciate that, Dean, but I still want you to read it before I send it to Pam, for my own peace of mind, and also because your opinion of it is important to me. Dean stares back at him, eyes wide. Yeah, okay, I will. He says, rubbing the back of his neck as a red tinge creeps up along his face. And there's also the question of the proceeds of the book for Sam, Castiel states. Dean shakes his head vehemently. No, that's not going to happen. Dean, I... No, Cass, I can't let you do that. It's not right. Sam is my responsibility. And all I'm saying is that I want to help you with that responsibility. I care about Sam, and I care about you, and I want to help you both. It's not your place, Cass. Dean snaps, scooting his chair back from the table with a screech of legs against the hardwood floor. Can't you see, if you do this, how would it look? It'd look like I just hooked up with you for the money, and damn it, Cass, I can't. Dean, that is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. Castiel spits out, angry in spite of his determination to explain this rationally to Dean. I don't care what anyone else thinks, for one. And for two, this book will be just as much yours as it will ever be mine. Dean's face scrunches up in frustration. How you figure that one? Castiel sighs, exasperated. If it weren't for you, this book wouldn't even exist. You inspired this book. You are its muse, as is Sam. The characters, even though they aren't you, their existence was inspired by you. So I owe it to you and to Sam to compensate you for it. That's all I'm saying. Dean walks to the kitchen and leans over the counter, facing Castiel. He lays his head in his hands and stands in silence for several minutes. Castiel watches him, waiting to hear what he's thinking about. Finally, Dean raises his head and looks at him. I'm going to pay you back for it someday. Castiel shakes his head. Dean, no, I... That's the only way I'm going to agree to this, Cass. You gotta let me pay you back. Castiel sighs, staring up at the ceiling as he rubs a hand across his mouth. All right, but there's no set time frame and no interest. You pay me a little bit at a time. Fine. Fine. They gaze at each other across the countertop, jaws set in determination. 
Dean breaks away first, looking down to pull something out of a drawer. He returns to the table and places the object in front of Castiel, next to his plate. Castiel looks down at it, amused when he realizes it's an origami bird, made out of notebook paper. What is this? Castiel asks, staring up at Dean. Dean shrugs. Open it and find out. Castiel almost doesn't want to open it and destroy the bird that Dean made, but he does so anyway, eager to discover what's inside. When he pulls the paper apart, he finds it scrawled with, I owe you one trip around the world. Expiration date, none. He looks up at Dean, confused. I don't understand. A smile plays along Dean's lips as he blushes. I, um, well... We've talked about how you wish you could someday feel good enough to travel and see all those places you've got pictures of. And so I thought, you know, I could be your traveling buddy and help you be well enough to actually go places again. Dean glances quickly down at Castiel before looking away. It's stupid, I know, it's just... No, Dean. Castiel whispers quietly as he reaches out to grasp Dean's hand. This isn't stupid. This is the nicest thing anyone has ever given me. Dean stares at Castiel, green eyes wide and hopeful. So, do you like it then? Do you think you'd want to do that someday? Of course, Dean. If I can, there's nothing in this universe I'd want more than to travel the world with you. Castiel stands up and wraps his arms around Dean, clinging on tightly. Honestly, five months ago, I would have never thought such a thing was even possible for me. He murmurs, burying his face against Dean's shoulder. But you changed me, Dean. You made me want to fight for the strength to get better. So, when I take that trip around the world someday, there's no one else I'd want by my side but you. Dean holds Castiel close wrapping his arms around his shoulders and pulling tight. I want that too, he whispers against Castiel's ear. But I thought you didn't like to fly. Didn't you say you get airsick? Castiel asks. Dean laughs into the skin of Castiel's neck. Yeah, well, I didn't promise I wouldn't puke in all the vomit bags. I reserve the right to spew chunks often and in varying amounts on every flight. Snorting, Castiel pulls away and sits back down in his seat, smiling as he watches Dean do the same. I'll even bring extra bags just in case. Dean rolls his eyes as he picks up his fork and begins shoveling food in his mouth again. They both eat in silence for a while, Dean leaning over every few bites to give a scrap to Zeppi, and Castiel chiding him for teaching her bad manners. As Castiel munches on a piece of fruit, he notices Dean deep in thought as he drinks his mug of coffee. What are you thinking about so hard? Dean glances over at him, lifting a shoulder and a shrug as he responds. I was just thinking, I might like to try for paramedic school after all, someday. Maybe work long enough at the club to save up some money to get me through my first year, at least. Castiel smiles and nods his head in approval. I think that's a great idea. And I just, well, between that and working at the garage and Sam going off to school in a couple of years and all the writing you're always doing, I don't know how everything's going to work out. Dean goes on, a look of uncertainty on his face. 
For once, Castiel can't seem to care. There's no plan set in stone for them. No step-by-step guidelines for them to follow. The thought of not knowing what comes next excites him instead of instilling fear. He smiles at Dean across the table, reaching over to take his hand in his as he says, We'll make it up as we go. Chapter 13, Epilogue, 18 Months Later Dean hums to himself as he rinses shampoo out of his hair, reveling in the feel of the beating of the water, just this side of painful. He may have teased Castiel long ago about his fancy humongous shower, with more shower heads than can be counted on one hand, but he'd be lying if he said he didn't look forward to jumping in there every day luxuriating in the feel of the thick streams of water pounding out all of the knots in his muscles. Standing under the highest of the showerheads, he smiles as he recalls their anniversary dinner the night before. They'd argued on and off for months about what date exactly to celebrate as their anniversary. So after much debate, they'd agreed to just celebrate everything. The first time Dean crawled into Castiel's lap for a dance— the first time Dean visited Castiel's apartment, which of course was an additional celebration of when Castiel first met Sam and the day they found Zeppi, though Dean drew the line at wearing the party favors Castiel bought for them, choosing instead to laugh and take pictures of Zeppi looking very forlorn in her hat. And their first kiss, the night Castiel saved Dean's life and the first time they fucked, and all the other little firsts they've experienced together so far. It's been practically a year-long celebration, the happiest year of Dean's life to date, culminating in last night's anniversary of the day Dean moved in with Castiel. But it hasn't been a perfect year, by any means. They still fight more often than either of them would like, both so stubborn and headstrong, not used to sharing themselves so completely with another person. Both of them are still terrified of losing each other as well as themselves, which leads to arguments about stupid, petty shit like what to eat for dinner and Dean leaving his wet towels all over the bedroom floor. Other arguments are more painful, though, and cut them both so deeply and profoundly that they keep away from each other for days afterward. The disagreements may appear to be about different things, but their roots are always the same. The fear of opening themselves up to each other, terrified of being hurt or disappointed, or worse, being the one to hurt or disappoint. One of the worst arguments they've had in the past was about Dean's job situation. Castiel had nagged Dean for weeks and months after he'd moved into the apartment about quitting all of his jobs but the one at the garage. Dean hated the thought of giving up that extra income, even though he was saving a shitload of money already by moving in with Castiel. He'd forced Cass to let him help pay the monthly bills, but he still couldn't shake the feeling that he was just Castiel's kept boy. Breathing in the steam from the hot water, Dean can still remember the panic he'd felt 
when Castiel first approached him about giving up the stripping and lawn care jobs to make time for college and paramedic training. Dean's first instinct was to assume the worst. You're ashamed of me, he'd yelled, backing away. Castiel had scoffed. Of course I'm not ashamed of you, Dean. I just want to help you achieve your dream. You want this. You told me so, remember? Don't you fucking tell me what I want, Dean had retorted bitterly. You don't know me. And don't try to tell me what to do, either. This is none of your business. Idiot that he is, he'd stormed out, feeling cornered and pressured, and terrified that Castiel was right, that now really was the moment he'd always dreamed of, the right time to finally go and try to be the person he always wanted to be. After a week of sulking and freaking the fuck out, all while Castiel silently watched him and rolled his eyes, Dean had turned in his notice at both jobs. A month later, he was enrolled for the next term at the local community college. It had taken even longer to wipe the self-satisfied smirk off of Castiel's face, but it sure as hell was fun in the doing. Dean grimaces as he recalls another particularly nasty fight about six months ago. The money had started rolling in on the book Castiel had written in honor of Dean, and he'd asked Dean once again if he'd just accept the money without insisting on paying it back. Dean, frustrated that Castiel just would not let this go, had snapped. Cass, give it the fuck up, okay? Sam is my family. He's my responsibility, not yours. Dean had thrown the book he was reading across the room in aggravation before sparing a glance at Castiel, and the look on Cass's face would haunt him for many months. Eyes wide and glassy and face drained of all color, Castiel had whispered, my mistake. I thought you and Sam were my family now. That moment, more than anything, is what made Dean realize that Castiel sees him not just as a boyfriend or partner or what-the-fuck-ever. For Castiel, Dean and Sam are the family he had always longed for but never thought he could have. Dean spent many weeks after that doing what he could to make it up to Castiel as well as trying his best to show him that he is their family. It took a while, but Castiel finally seemed to start to trust Dean again, and Dean swore to himself that he would do his damnedest to never fuck things up that badly again. With his own issues warring against him, it hadn't been easy for Dean to open up and let someone else in his close circle of family but after everything that Castiel has done and continues to do for Dean and for his brother, he owes it to the man to give him his trust and his love as freely as he can. But as they discovered just a couple of months ago, turns out the money for Sam's college was a non-issue. He got word from Stanford that he was being offered a full scholarship, alongside his too-smart-for-her-own-good girlfriend, Jess. The celebratory dinner over Sam's news was the happiest moment of Dean's life, sitting between his nerdy gigantor brother and his nerdy hot-ass boyfriend. The night-long permagrin on his face left his cheeks aching for days. Dean braces his hands along one wall of the shower as he allows the beating water to massage his back. He can smell the tantalizing scent of cooking bacon wafting through the air vents and wonders why Castiel is cooking bacon when he hates something so heavy early in the mornings. 
Fruit for breakfast is one thing that Dean had conceded on, mostly because he grudgingly admits that he does actually feel better when he eats something fresh instead of laden with grease and fat first thing in the morning. Doesn't mean he still doesn't miss an artery-clogging breakfast every now and then, and his mouth waters at the smell of sizzling bacon. As he rushes to shave his stubble so he can feast on food and cast, he recalls how the past year and a half has definitely had more ups than downs, filled with many firsts for the both of them. He chuckles, hissing as he nicks his chin with the razor, thinking about their first vacation together. In retrospect, they both had been way too optimistic in their abilities to navigate public places and to allow a metal cylinder with wings to hurtle Dean through the air. Between Castiel locking himself in the tiny airplane bathroom to get away from all the humanity, and Dean hyperventilating and vomiting everything he'd eaten in the previous six months, it's a wonder that the airline didn't banish them from flying with it indefinitely. They'd opted to rent a car and drive back from the Grand Canyon instead of flying, and their trek home was much more relaxing and vomit-free, thank God. Their second vacation had been pretty much heaven on wheels, the Impala's wheels to be exact. Dean had finally relented and allowed Bobby to help him restore the Impala to all her previous glory. What with finding and ordering the parts, and carving out the time here and there between paying work at the garage, it had taken several months to complete. But once she was finally done, Dean couldn't wait to take her out on the open road with Castiel sitting by his side. It had been difficult to face the emotions wrapped up in what the Impala represented to Dean. A lost childhood, loss of their father long before his death, memories of security and happiness it had taken Dean almost twenty years to find again. But in the end, it was all worth it. Dean will never forget the feeling of getting his baby out on the highway. Windows rolled down and Zeppelin blaring from the tape deck, the rising sun behind them, and nothing but a long stretch of asphalt before them. He had reached across the seat, slid his hand up Castiel's knee and along his thigh and let it rest there, a promise for later. Castiel had laid his arm along the back of the seat, fingers tangling and playing distractedly with the hair along the nape of Dean's neck as he stared out of the passenger window. A ghost of a smile across his lips as they sped down countless miles of road. They'd rented a cabin in the remotest part of the Rockies they could find and whiled away the hours with Dean teaching Cass how to fish, as well as with hiking, skinny-dipping, and fucking so much and so enthusiastically that they were both sore for weeks. Dean languidly strokes his dick, remembering one particularly scrumptious blowjob that Castiel had graced him with alongside a creek near the cabin. Cass had taken to walking around naked surprisingly fast. Dean had mused, Hey Cass, do you believe in past lives? I bet you were a hippie in a past life since you love walking around naked so much. I bet you were an asshole in a previous life, since you love being one so often, Cass had retorted. The wrestling match and sex after that particular insult made Dean grateful Cass has such a smart-ass sense of humor. The vacation had done wonders for the both of them. It had given Castiel the opportunity to see that he could not only function in an uncontrolled environment, 
without routines or plans or schedules, but flourish. And for Dean, well, it showed him that not only did he deserve to find happiness and hold on to it, but that he already was happy, and every bit of the happiness he had, he deserved. He struggled so hard for so long to keep his head above water, not knowing what he was holding on for or why he even bothered. But now he knows. He was holding on so he could find his way here, into the arms of a sexy-as-fuck weirdo with stupid blue eyes and a heart bigger than the world around him. Dean rinses the shaving cream off his face and turns the water off. Grabbing a towel, he steps carefully across the slick floor and into their bedroom, pausing when he notices a book lying on the bed that wasn't there when he'd stepped into the bathroom. The cover of the book shows a painting in dark colors of a hand bursting through the dirt of a freshly made grave, and the title across the top reads, Lazarus Rising. There's a slip of paper bookmarking a page towards the beginning of the book, and when Dean opens to that page, he finds the dedication. For Dean, my favorite human, he gave me breath, repaired my wings, and taught me to fly. Dean allows his fingers to trace a path along the words, whisper soft. He squeezes his eyes shut, trying in vain to hold back the tears. If Sammy could see me now, he would so be laughing it up, he thinks. Leave it to Dean to fall in love with the one person in all the world besides Sam who could make him cry with just a few simple words. He places the book on his nightstand and shuffles his way out of the bedroom and down the hall. The smell of bacon and scrambled eggs lures him toward the kitchen, where he finds Zeppi watching attentively as Castiel, shirtless and wearing loose pajama bottoms that are barely hanging onto the smooth swell of his ass, stirs a bowl of pancake batter, head bobbing to the beat of a Zeppelin song playing on Dean's stereo in the den. Castiel's back is turned towards Dean, giving Dean the perfect opportunity to sneak up behind him and wrap long arms around the man's waist. Cass stills when he feels Dean slide against him, leaning his head back against Dean's shoulder as Dean nuzzles behind his ear. Dean slides a hand up Castiel's chest, idly playing with a nipple, as the other hand wraps around his hip, fingers slipping just under the waistband of his pajamas and teasing at the trail of hair leading to his cock. What's with the fancy breakfast? Dean teases, breath wet against the curve of Castiel's ear. Castiel lets loose a shaky sigh. It's our anniversary breakfast, he replies, voice hoarse. Chuckling, Dean murmurs, So we get anniversary dinner last night, anniversary breakfast this morning. What's next? Anniversary snacks? Anniversary cocktails? He rubs his half-hard dick along the crease of Castiel's ass at the word cock, garnering a soft laugh from Cass. I figure a week-long celebration is in order for the anniversary of when you finally stopped freaking the fuck out and moved in with me, yes. Castiel retorts, clever hands sneaking back and squeezing Dean's ass, pulling him closer. Ha ha, you think you're so funny, don't you? Dean whispers, licking his way from Castiel's ear to the back of his neck, biting at the knob at the top of his spine. Castiel shudders against him, 
moaning as Dean's fingers dive further under his pajamas, wrapping loosely around the base of his shaft. I think I'm adorable, Castiel says matter-of-factly. Dean can't help a bark of laughter at that unexpected response, retrieving his hand and tugging Castiel around to face him. Okay, I'll give you that. You really are fucking adorable, he grins, leaning forward to cover Castiel's mouth with his own. Before the kiss can become too distracting, Dean pulls away, leaning his brow against Castiel's and staring at him. He'll never get over how much Castiel likes to just look at him, nor the intensity with which he does it. But he'd be lying if he said he wasn't addicted to it, and didn't love to give as good as he gets. Castiel's fingers slide through Dean's wet hair, massaging his scalp. They stand there, foreheads pressed together, exchanging breath and staring into each other's eyes for what feels like days, before Dean whispers, We're not just celebrating my move-in, though, are we? I think we should celebrate your next Angel Warriors book finally getting printed. Castiel blushes slightly and smiles. You saw it. Dean leans forward to press a chaste kiss on Castiel's lips before answering, I did. That cover is creepy and badass, man. Nodding slightly, Castiel agrees. I'm really pleased with how it turned out. Should be sufficient to make new readers curious enough to buy it, I hope. Dean brings a hand up along Castiel's side, fingers tracing softly around the delicate, sensitive skin, eliciting goosebumps along the way. I saw the dedication, too. Castiel's eyes go wide, tongue peeking out of his mouth to wet his top lip nervously. What did you think of it? With a quiet sigh, Dean leans forward, slotting his mouth against Castiel's, marveling, as always, at how the man never hesitates to open up to him, marveling at how this spot, this mouth, this body, this place, and this life are more of a home to him than he ever thought possible than he ever thought he could be worthy enough to deserve. I think it's good that I'm your favorite human. He pulls back long enough to whisper against Castiel's lips. Because you're my favorite angel. With a badass right hook. Castiel's huff of laughter is swallowed by Dean's kisses. And all intentions for an anniversary breakfast are forgotten for a while. The end. Well, the men come in these places, and the men are all the same. You don't look at their faces, and you don't ask. And he's right. And Dean wouldn't put it past her or her. <laughs> and he's right. And and he's right. And Dean wouldn't pat. And he's right. And Dean wouldn't put it past her or her asshole boyfriend to hit Sam, broken arm or not. If it weren't for your unfortunate. If it weren't for your unfortunate. <laughs> If it weren't for your unfortunate. <laughs>
if it weren't for your unfur <laughs> unfortunate if it weren't for your unfortunate <laughs> unfortunate circumstances it's a normal phrase Dean's eyebrows shoot up to his hairline as he smirks and steps away towards a set of speakers on the <coughs> Dean's eyebrows shoot up to his hairline as he smirks smirks but his bottom lip but his bottom lip <laughs> Castiel is perpet Castiel is perpet. <laughs> Especially seeing how. Especially seeing as how this means Sam might not ever get to see the dog anymore. Especially seeing. Especially seeing how this means Sam might not get to see. Especially seen as how this means Sam might not. Especially seen. Uh... <laughs> I can't say it. Especially seen as how this means Sam might not. <laughs> Especially seen. Surprise, surprise, right? Leave it to me to turn everything to shit faster than a cocked out racehorse. Cocked out racehorse. I was wondering what the fuck that was. Surprise, surprise, right? Leave it to me to turn everything. <laughs> oh. We could just shoot some. We could shoot some. We could shoot some shit. We could shoot some. <laughs> we could. <sh> no. <laughs> okay. We could shoot some shit at. <laughs> we could shoot some shit at that target range, and when Jeff is <laughs> Jeff. Sam and Jeff. Oh, how cute. Ugh. Castiel finally finds the phone at the furthermore... Castiel finally finds the phone at the furthermore... <laughs> Castiel finally finds the phone at the furthermore... <laughs> Why can't I say the word? 
Castiel finally finds the phone at the furthermost. <laughs> Castiel finally finds the phone at the furthermost point. I'm saying it. I'm just I'm freaking myself out. Okay. Castiel finally finds the phone at the furthermost point of his. Castiel finally finds the phone at the. And now the dog's barking. Okay, that's not showing up on the waveform. Okay. Name jizz crash. 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 Name. Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.